0: My children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere on the 18th of April in 75. Hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. He said to his friend, if the British march by land or sea from the town tonight, hang a lantern aloft in the belfry arch of the North Church Tower as a signal light, one, if by land and two, if by sea and I on the opposite shore will be ready to ride and spread the alarm through every Middlesex village and farm for the country folk to be up and to arm. Then he said good night, and with muffled oar silently rowed to the Charleston shore, just as the moon rose over the bay, where swinging wide at her moorings lay the Somerset, British man o' war, a phantom ship, with each mast and spar across the moon like a prison bar and a huge black hulk that was magnified by its own reflection in the tide. Meanwhile, his friend, through alley and street, wanders and watches with eager ears till in the silence around him he hears the muster of men at the barrack door, the sound of arms and the tramp of feet And the measured tread of the grenadiers marching down to their boots on the shore. Excuse me, boats on the shore. Then he climbed to the tower of the church up the wooden stairs with stealthy tread to the belfry chambered overhead. And startled the pigeons from their perch on the somber rafters that round him made masses and moving shapes of shade by the trembling ladder steep and tall to the highest window in the wall where he paused to listen and look down a moment on the roofs of the town and the moonlight flowing over all beneath in the churchyard lay the dead in their night encampment on the hill wrapped in silence. So deep and still that he could hear like a sentinel's tread, the watchful night wind as it went creeping along from tent to tent and seeming to whisper all is well. A moment only he feels the spell of the place and the hour and the secret dread of the lonely belfry and the dead. For suddenly all his thoughts are bent on a shadowy something far away. Where the river widens to meet the bay, a line of black that bends and floats on the rising tide like a bridge of boats. Meanwhile, impatient to mount and ride, booted and spurred with a heavy stride, On the opposite shore walked Paul Revere. Now he patted his horse's side, now gazed on the landscape far and near, then impetuous stamped the earth, and turned then tightened his saddle girth. But mostly he watched with eager search the belfry tower of the Old North Church, as it rose above the graves on the hill, lonely and spectral and somber and still, and low as he looks, on the belfry's height, a glimmer and then a gleam of light. He springs to the saddle, the bridle he turns, but lingers and gazes till full on his sight, a second lamp in the belfry burns. A hurry of hoofs in a village street, a shape in the moonlight, a bulk in the dark, and beneath from the pebbles in passing a spark, struck out by a speed that flies fearless and fleet. That was all, and yet through the gloom and the light, the fate of a nation was riding that night and the spark struck out by that steed in his flight kindled the land into flame with his heat. He has left the village and mounted the steep, and beneath him tranquil and broad and deep is the mystic meeting the ocean tides, and under the alders that skirt its edge, now soft on the sand, now loud on the ledge, is heard the tramp of his steed as he rides. It was twelve by the village clock when he crossed the bridge into Medford Town, He heard the crowing of the cock and the barking of the farmer's dog and felt the damp of the river fog that rises when the sun goes down. It was one by the village clock when he galloped into Lexington. He saw the gilded weathercock swim in the moonlight as he passed and the meeting house windows blank and bare gaze at him with a spectral glare as if they already stood aghast at the bloody work they would look upon. It was two by the village clock when he came to the bridge in Concord Town. He heard the bleating of the flock and the twitter of birds among the trees and felt the breath of the morning breeze blowing over the meadows brown. And one was safe and asleep in his bed. Who at the bridge would be first to fall? Who that day would be lying dead, pierced by a British musket ball? You know the rest in the books you have read. How the British regulars fired and fled, how the farmers gave them ball for ball from behind each fence and farmyard wall, chasing the redcoats down the lane, then crossing the fields to emerge again under the trees at the turn of the road and only pausing to fire and load. So through the night, rode Paul Revere, and so through the night went his cry of alarm to every Middlesex village and farm a cry of defiance and not of fear, a voice in the darkness, a knock at the door, and a word that shall echo forevermore. For, born the night wind of the past, through all our history to the last, in the hour of darkness and peril and need, the people will waken and listen to hear the hurrying hoofbeats of that steed and the midnight ride of Paul Revere. It's Patriots Day. It's the day the news forgets. It's the day the news forgets every year. It's April 19th. The day, uh, actually last night was the night of Paul Revere's ride. This is the morning of the Battle of Lexington and Concord. And even though the rest of the news media has forgotten it, we haven't here. So happy Patriots Day. Happy independence. So it's another one of those marathons on Wednesdays. Um, Nobody's here. (laughs) Bill Fecky hasn't come back to the show yet. Uh, Wendy Arthur is busy, and uh, so is uh, Diane Warner. So we have no Fecky report. We have no Oh My God report. We have uh, no uh, election integrity report, even though we certainly need to get those folks here. Um, So once again, it's just me for three hours. (laughs) And I also fortunately, I have uh, two of our regular callers, Josh in Illinois and Pianchi, somewhere in in the Midwest or the South. I haven't figured out where where he is today but uh josh you were first you actually called before the show started so uh, let's welcome you in here and uh what's on your mind
1: well i'm glad i'm glad that you're actually scraping the of there for this one
0: no, I, was. Well, I mean, I, I don't even, well, actually, as so I was just thinking of my poem, I only messed up one word, and what folks don't know, when you when you read on the air, you have to keep moving, you've got to keep scrolling down, and if you lose your place for a second, you know, you try to remember whatever word it was, so I goofed up something, but I figured I'd correct it at the time, but I feel bad about that, but anyway, so my apologies to Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Um getting a little bit of background noise, we're hearing some crinkly noise, uh, so we'll see if we can we keep that to a minimum for a good recording. But otherwise, I, I thought of this this morning. I thought, damn, Paul Revere. Yeah, I got to read that. Anyway, so that's where we are. Pianki, good morning, sir.
2: Morning, great. Morning,
0: so, There we go. I knew you were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to address you. You called in. So uh, I, I know what Josh wants to talk about. Take time what,
3: to mute.
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir.
3: I so said it takes time to unmute. Screen yep. goes uh, into screen favor, then you got to bring that up and you have to unmute. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed that poem for one particular reason.
2: Uh-huh.
3: I had to learn that and we had to recite it. And I believe it was either the 4th or the 6th grade. I don't remember quite. It was really? One of
0: those. That's a long poem. Yeah. I, I would I would have some of that cause I'm really not new. good at
3: memorization. You know,
0: I better read And you uh, go uh, a
3: black school, a school, uh-huh. majority of black. And right. we learned the Midnight Ride of Paul Rezer- Revere and had to uh-huh. say it in front of the class. And some people put emphasis in uh, the words like,
0: Almighty oh, God. Well, I should have you read it next time.
3: <laughs> It'll be great. Let's, let's have you do oh, it. Oh, I can't remember
0: I don't think well, I, I, can, remember I can send it, it, it to you. I, I it's easy to find. I mean, it, it took me a few seconds to find it. But uh, yeah, I tend to holidays are really special around here. I I tend, I tend to uh, uh, find something memorable. Like I always read Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, Memorial Day, we go over the poetry of, of soldiers written in combat. Um, July 4th, we go over founding documents. Uh, Labor Day. You know, we go over labor history and strikes and, you know, assassinations by corporations and Pinkertons. And, uh, you know, every day we do something, every holiday, you know, I don't take them. The only two I take off because nobody's listening are Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, but I could do stuff for those as well. But anyway, I mean, I always trying to do that. But, uh, Pianki, if you ever want to do a reading, just let me know. I'm, I'm happy to, uh, you know, have you on and, well, and, I, you and know, do it.
3: I'm an adult now. I probably could read the Patton speech, but I couldn't read it without a lot of blips and bleaks back when I was a kid. Why don't you do that?
0: Why don't you look up Patton's speech, and whenever you're ready to read it, let me know. Let's put that Let's put it on the show. That's actually a good idea. <laughs> I'm serious. Go ahead. Just look it up online. It won't be hard to find. You know, cause, and uh, yeah, let's yeah, put emphasis big, on, you know, mm-hmm. and, and give it to the almighty God,
3: you know, almighty Patton. Almighty <laughs> you know, oh, God. Yeah.
2: yeah. You know. yeah and, think...
3: you know, we had to read those, and we had to recite them. We had to learn them. We watched mm-hmm. I, I made my grandson watch War movies uh-huh. You know You yeah. had to I mean that was a requirement You had to watch a World War One and World War Two movies And go back and <clears throat> study Oliver Cromwell And things like that
0: it's funny you mentioned Cromwell because when I was in Australia, um, we had to, that was one of our field trips at a very, very advanced progressive school. They had us doing interviews full, on full-day field trips with tape recorders at 10 years old, uh, and this is back in the, the 60s. And so, of course, tape recorders and we, cassettes were still fairly new then. Uh, and so we were we were really advanced, but one of our field trips was to go see cromwell and i 'm like ten years old that 's a violent film for a ten years old, but we talked about it. We talked about the next day we talked about British history, we talked about you know uh, the beheading of Charles I and the divine right of kings and everything else uh, and so i 've been dealing you know in, in Canada and Australia, but especially Australia, with a lot of of British Commonwealth history, which is really interesting um The other interesting point you make. When, you, when you, I know you're joking. When you said you were reading it like Almighty oh, God, you know, but Black Americans read no, speeches differently. <clears> black throat> Americans throat> read speeches differently. I of speeches Harold ahead.
3: Thornton. Uh-huh. Harold Thornton. He read before. I think he was the first one to read, and he put that emphasis in there, and we all cracked up. Uh, but, no, but, he, the, but the he, point you know,
0: is. Yeah, but the point is, Black Americans read speeches differently. I mean, you'll put that emphasis in. I, I, I would, it would never mm-hmm. occur to me to do that. I mean, I try and read it straight and, and uh, you know, and get the words right, you know, but I don't put the, the same emotion into it. So that's, you know, this is why I say uh, that's part of the reason I'm curious to have you uh, do patent speech. I really want to hear it. I think it's going to be great. Let's, uh, let's bring Josh back in the conversation. Um, so you had something you want to talk about, too. And I know you were. Today is an interesting day. We're, we're, we've got three hours. We've got plenty of time to do this. Uh, the title of the show: was Waco, just... Lexington, Warsaw, and Oklahoma. What do they have in common? And Josh actually was on the, the air. Was on the sh- called in before the show started, and we have the Boston massacre, and also we have the. I don't think it was April nineteenth, though. Uh, but we certainly had the Boston terrorist attack by the Chechens uh the the Muslims that nobody wants to talk about, and you don't think white people can be Muslim surprise surprise anyway so josh um let's let's get to you on this, and like I say, we've got plenty of time for for both of you to uh, to talk about these different issues josh
1: uh yes sir um the the boston massacre uh the first person executed was actually uh chris' addict uh he was uh black and Native American and yeah. Nice. That, yeah, but the, there was a people that were uh, but killed British that didn't day. Discriminate. And uh, yeah, the British, 19th, British. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Well, the British didn't discriminate. They didn't no. just kill the white people. I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know. They really didn't, care. They didn't care. if you were American. It didn't matter what you looked like, as long as you were not wearing a red coat. You were probably. Well, genuine. also,
0: wasn't uh, uh, William Dawes or one of the one of the riders? There was three riders that night. We hear about we hear about two of them. Those were the two white guys. But William, but one of the writers was black. Pianchi, do you know who that is? Do you remember that? There are three writers. Went out. Was it William Dawes? Or no, was I don't Oliver? remember any fans associated with it. We'll have to look it up. Because I know there were three writers. Anyway, um, Josh, back to you. So no, I was, was,
1: was going to go into ahead. the progression of that. Because uh, the moment okay. that Bostonians were slaughtered by the British, uh, mm-hmm. everybody was kind of really angry. And the colonies... And then uh, about three years later, they came out with that uh, Boston Tea Party. They tossed that tea in the ocean. You know, obviously, turmoil. There was a bunch of taxation. Everybody had complaints because the British Empire was always terrible and nobody should live under uh, foreign rule. But, yeah, those two things simultaneously, those two things, and all the other nonsense that they did along the way yeah there was a beginning and an end to what we were willing to tolerate as american people and
0: yeah but look what they're willing to tolerate i don't know right if now. i should bow at this point <laughs> well you know not, no but, but look what americans are willing to tolerate now look at COVID. how many americans thought that it was okay for the government to take our constitutional rights away uh with the excuse that it's public health how many americans wore masks for no reason even after they knew they didn't work how many americans we're willing to have our, our schools, you know, come back after knowing what they were doing, you know, in the travel, or at least, you know, have them continue after the ridiculous lessons that they saw, you know, on, on the Internet. How many Americans still think Fauci is a good person? Speaking of, you should see my Facebook post on him. I put, uh, I said, you know, what, what's an appropriate punishment for Dr. Fascist? And I said, solitary confinement, eating live bugs. And I was one of the nicer ones. <laughs> you should see what the other people have written. Um, But uh, how many Americans are are perfectly accepting uh, that the Supreme Court can interpret the Constitution, something we know they can't do, even though it's commonly accepted? And that's one of the assumptions. How many Americans have no concept of freedom, don't know anything about our our war for independence, don't know anything, don't know anything about today? And how many journalists uh, are are not covering the fact that this is Patriots Day? At least cover the Boston Marathon. That's something and call a Patriots Day, but it's not even that. There's a blackout. There's a complete blackout of anything to do with Patriots Day today, which is, of course, why I'm doing everything to do with Patriots Day today. Either one of you, feel free. Jump in.
1: I'm not going to point out that you're in Florida.
0: Well, you just did. What does that have to do with it? What do you mean I'm not going to point out that
1: you're in in Florida? I said I wasn't going to point that out. No, but by not um,
0: pointing it out, you pointed well, it out. So that's kind of silly. Right, I ahead. know,
1: I know. By proxy, yeah. No, uh-huh. I'm up in a place called Illinois, and we do things a little bit differently here. Uh, our entire state is dictated from a city that is not our capital.
0: Well, you got riots up there. Yeah. So, so what's the, what's the <laughs> capital of uh, what's the capital of Illinois? I'm, hang on, let me think about it. Is it Champaign? Springfield. Okay, Springfield.
1: Okay. Springfield.
0: That's Lincoln's home.
1: Yeah. Okay. I know. Literally, uh, the my 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 parents met in the town that Lincoln met with his uh, his uh, his opposition to have a debate down in Kentucky. Yeah, I know this is not, that's interesting. <laughs> none of this is new.
0: Okay, well, what, what's going on in your town there? What's with these riots? Uh, is is the complete uh, breakdown of society in Chicago, or what's going on?
1: Uh Well, I, I'm i not going to say that I called this out like, uh I don't know, a decade ago. I said that Chicago is going to go the way of Detroit. And the reason that that is is because people are terrible, and they're going to continue to do terrible things. And we have a very strange socioeconomic thing that we're doing right now where we're saying a class of people are right. victims of everything without having any accountability for anything that they do. So, yeah, Chicago is going to tear down itself. I mean, how many, what is it, five Walmarts are now leaving Chicago?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the oppression yeah. of victimhood. It's like the more people claim to be victims, the more it gives them the right to oppress others and the, and the self-justification that uh, it's okay to, like when they beat up that uh, that couple, that uh, the white woman and the black guy the the teenage couple it's like it's okay because you know we're oppressed so we can do this you know and it, it's it's really it's a warped uh, sense of of everything it's very strange what's going on in Chicago right now I wouldn't go there you know it's like we've, we've got war zones in this country um, yeah we've got dude, the avoid teenage it teenage games. Avoid,
1: Chico- avoid Chicago avoid Chicago avoid L A avoid New York City yes mm-hmm. absolutely
0: yeah, Ooh, yeah. No no yeah,
1: only if you want to live I'm sorry. That should have been important for me to say from the get-go. If you enjoy your life, if you would like to continue living, avoid major cities in America.
0: Well, not
3: all major cities. I agree. Well, who's doing all this in these cities?
1: I'm just saying this is a ridiculous way for us to live amongst each other.
0: (laughs) I know the answer to that question, but go ahead, Josh. Who's doing this in all these cities? Josh, who's doing
3: all this in these cities?
1: Anybody that thinks that they are justified in doing so.
3: See, I don't he can't care say what you well, look like. Now, the, the right has got you conditioned to, to not use the words that you should be using. So a honest person would have a better understanding of who you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry. That thing. That thing down in Nashville, anybody that thinks that they're justified in doing so. I'm not worried about anybody's. Here in no,
3: them. I'm talking about Chicago. Somebody? Oh, Chicago? Greg, who's doing all this in Chicago? Young black Young black people.
0: folks. Who's <laughs> doing it. Yeah. yeah. In fact, there's yeah, a... Uh, young Pianchi, black were you on the line... Uh, hold on, Josh, for a second. Pianchi, were you on the line when, the, when I talked about this, this cartoon that uh, was posted by a friend of mine, i forgot who, uh, this weekend, and it showed two looters walking out of, uh, of a Walmart, and they're both white. I said, this is a racist comic. This is a racist cartoon because every video I've ever seen uh, the people are young and black. And, and I said, I don't know who, where this, you know, are they so afraid? I said, the cartoonists must be white and suffering from white guilt. Because you show me a, um, any looting, any looting video with either some or all white people carrying stuff out of there or Hispanic or Asian, or any, you don't see it. It's young black people who are, who are looting these stores. And that's a problem. But the biggest problem is, as Pianchi says, no one's, no one's openly saying it, but that's what's going on. So why can't we say it? I'm not being racist. I'm being truthful. Hmm. Silence from the crowd. So what well, are we you doing know,
3: whites can... have been intimidated. Mm-hmm. COVID and white intimidation has been two miracle miracles that have worked very effectively. Yeah. Whites have been well, intimidated. The word they're afraid. To say what's on their mind, it's just remarkable. It's just amazing.
0: Well, I don't think it's all white people, because there's a lot of white liberals that are that are terrible, that are that are tyrannical. And I'll get into. Well, I want to talk about the the Fox News thing a little bit later with uh, how they uh, basically uh, kowtowed to Dominion. Um, but uh, that's. But there's there's a, a contingent of white conservative Christian, especially men, who won't say anything. And being a white conservative Christian man. Um, you know, I've got to rebel against that and say, look, this is the whole point of this. One of the points of the show is that we are a free speech zone, one of the last free speech zones. You can say what you want. Um, you know, and just a case in point, you know, we have a lot of different perspectives on the show. I had a person yesterday who I'm going to have on, I think, on a fairly regular basis, you know, progressive socialist. You know, how many chances do you get to talk to a progressive socialist on a show that's generally more conservative than conservative? I mean, we're, we're you know, we're on the patriot end of the scale here. We're on the founder's end of it. You know, and but we got some rare insights. Uh, go ahead.
3: What's the definition of progressive, sir? We taken fifty dollars from uh, those who work hard, and all we want seventy five. Is that progressive, sir? Well, socialist? it's going to be very
0: interesting. You got to listen to the hour yesterday because there are some very interesting things. What what uh, my conclusion was is that there are there are progressives and conservatives who both love this country have different ways of, of how to make it better, but they both love this country. So we have stuff in common. We can talk. Who we can't talk to are the globalists. And there are liberal globalists and there are conservative globalists. There are Republican rhino globalists and Democrat socialist globalists. It's the globalists that hate this country that we can't talk to. And so the real split in this country is as we've talked about before. It's basically between, you know, nationalists and globalists. That's the real split. And so the reason I wanted to have a a progressive socialist person on who actually is running against Nancy Pelosi right now. So this is serious stuff. Uh, Bianca Von Krieg, who was on yesterday. Um, And we we actually talked about getting AOC on the show, which would be fabulous. Um, But, uh, you know, a lot of our legislation, see, our legislation is nonpartisan. You know, getting tax relief to people so they don't have to have any money withheld until they've earned their standard deduction. That's not a
3: conservative bill or a liberal bill. That's a good idea. That's a good oh, idea. You. But you know another thing, Bill. Uh-huh. You you want to look at the people with the racist attitude. The further up north and to the east you go, you find, you, know, you may mention the Boston Marathon.
2: Uh-huh. Did
3: you know that the American Road Race Club, I think they put on the Boston Masters, uh or participate, you know they had a standing rule that... Only Americans could uh, win first prize. So if you had a Kenyan, you know Kenyans and Ethiopians always get up. They always win. First if,
0: if it's a long-distance right. race, the Kenyans They could not, I know, but the they could not
3: yeah. be awarded really? for prize.
0: That's insane. <laughs> yeah. I kind
1: of
3: agree with
1: that.
0: Well, wait, wait a minute. Uh, you agree with that? Why?
1: Um, I'm sorry. Um, I, if you know that somebody is going to win, that's not, that's not fair. That's not the American spirit. What
0: do you mean not fair? Well, oh, here's the thing. You either have to limit it to American citizens and make it an American patriotic race, which is okay. Or if it's open to everybody, then whoever wins, you have to award them first place. You can't have it both ways. I also agree
1: with that. Ah oh, no, I'm kinda of split on that. Okay. It's it's a weird
3: position to sit in.
0: Well listen, we used to have a right well, in San Francisco. Be,
3: what about ahead the ahead. Olympics then? Yeah, what about the Olympics? It's open to all the people in the world, but if you only say that certain ethnic groups can have yeah. the first place, yeah, then you just invited everybody it, else there for pure entertainment.
1: If you're if you're participating in the Olympics you have to be a citizen of the country that you're trying to compete for, right?
3: Well, yeah, there was but that American... you got uh, Africans that... Who was the American you got Africans that, on the uh, Canadian Olympic team.
2: Yeah.
3: I'm sorry? So you have black Africans on the Canadian Olympic team and other teams, too.
1: Are they citizens of Italy?
3: Well, I don't know if they. Are. I would imagine they would be. But I'm just saying how people get around that rule.
0: Well, there are family but connections. No, and uh, there's different things. But yeah, you can't you can't do that. But we had someone. We had a gymnast who who competed for China in the last Olympics. Communist China. Remember that? She's from San Francisco, of course. Yeah. But she has family connections with China. So uh, yeah. See, so that's the thing. You, you know, whatever your predominant nation is, predominant nation is. You know, wherever your citizenship and your residence is, that's who you should compete for. Now, I love having other teams in sports, like the Jamaican bobsled team is my personal favorite. I love that. It's such a great contradiction. Uh, In fact, I've lost it. I used to have a sweatshirt from the the Calgary Olympics when they first competed. Um, But uh, one of the things I want to talk about at some point, um, well, not too much today, but I found this last night, that one of the ways you get banned from a sport or banned from winning a sport uh, is if you have illegal drugs in your system or if you're blood doping. And so I'm wondering if anybody's ever challenged the, the so-called trans athletes, uh, especially Michael Thomas, who's a dude uh, going against, you know, Riley Gaines and other uh, women swimmers, whether, you know, he has, you know, too much testosterone in his system to be considered female. Well, of course, he would naturally because he's a guy. Um, but I'm just curious, has anybody ever used that angle to approach, you know, getting the guys out of women's sports? Because you don't see women competing in guy sports. You know, women who are supposedly trans male, you don't see them. But It's always, always, you know, bigger, stronger men, you know, altering themselves to appear female uh, who are winning they, all these records in female, the female sports.
1: They, they did that parts per million when it came to the Olympics. They're not going to do that in the Dent and Well,
0: that's too bad. They should. Well, let's see what happens in the next Olympics. When's the next Olympics? Uh, this is 23. So next year, we've got another Olympics. We, All had one, great. we had the on you. Uh, You're going to leave had the, the
1: charge.
0: Wait a minute. Do we have the summer ones or the winter ones? I think we had the summer ones last
1: and This um, is summer.
0: Oh, this summer? So the winter games? I of like the winter, the winter games are much more exciting. The winter games used to be boring, but now they're much more fun than the summer, except for the gymnasts. Well, okay. So if, uh, if a trans, you know, if a male, you know, faking being a female, wants to uh, compete in the gymnastics, then they have to do the, the women's events. Parallel bar, you know, the, or the, the balance beam, the, para, the uneven parallel bars, that kind of stuff. That would be interesting to see. Anyway, um, I've got something here. On the, I'm back to Paul Revere. And so it says, what happened to the other two men on Paul Revere's ride? And this is from How Stuff Works uh, with a question mark by Molly Edmonds. And I don't have a date uh, on this article, but uh, I'll see if I can find it at the end. Did you know that there were two men who accompanied Paul Revere on his famous midnight ride? If you don't, then you're not alone. The story of The Midnight Ride was stamped on the American psyche by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's popular 1861 poem, The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. See, folks don't realize it was written uh, almost 100 years after the actual event, <laughs> you know, 1775 uh, to 1861. That's just a curiosity of mine. Anyway, it says, and anyone who's read the poem envisions a lone hero dashing through the night, single-handedly warning his countrymen of a British attack. But that's not the whole story. Two other men rode with Revere that night, William Dawes and Samuel Prescott. They were left out of the poem and subsequently most history books. So, as we do on Action Radio, let's correct the historical record. Back to the article. Some joke that Longfellow used Revere's name in his poem instead of Revere's comrades' names simply because it was easier to rhyme with the other key words. In fact, a woman named Helen F. Moore Uh, wrote a parody poem in 1896 titled The Midnight Ride of William Dawes. Oh, we have to look that up. I'm going to look that one up. Actually, yeah, yeah, I've got to find that one. Anyway, this is the poem compares Dawes and Revere's accomplishments, but complains, what was the use when my name was Dawes? (laughs) Uh, The Midnight Pause of William Dawes? I mean, we could do that. Anyway, it says more likely it was Paul Revere's established political fame in the Massachusetts colony that landed him his starring role in the Longfellow poem. Uh, If I remember, Paul Revere was a silversmith, and a politician. Uh, Anyway, it says, oh, he's and here we go, a silversmith by trade. Yep, I guessed it right. He spent most of his free time supporting the Patriots' cause. He had participated in the Boston Tea Party to protest taxation without representation, which Josh had mentioned earlier, one of the main events leading up to the Revolutionary War. And he was known as a reliable courier for news and messages that needed to be distributed to Patriot leadership, so much so that the British even had someone tracking his movements. Well, not that night, apparently. (laughs) But truth be told, it was really Samuel Prescott who completed the midnight ride. Read on to find out how the three riders carried out their mission on the night of April 18th, 1775 to start the American Revolution. Well, it's not a revolution. It was a war for independence. Josh, let me go to you. Uh, what's the difference? Revolution versus war for independence.
1: Um, a war for independence is to literally claim independence. A war for revolution is to try to remain under the same tyranny or the same uh, locale. When it comes to leadership, but a little bit different, probably not something they're going to like either way.
0: Okay, disagree, but I'll get to that in a minute. Pianki? why do they call it a, a revolution? What? It wasn't a revolution. It was a war for independence.
3: Yeah, it was. It wasn't. Nothing, that, nothing that exists that you could change. You have to have to change so you have a revolution.
2: See, and Christopher did.
3: Addicts were not the first person to die in the revolution either, as people okay. have. Christopher Addicts wasn't things. the first person to get. I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. No, no, it's okay. He had died. He he had died before the revolution even started. <laughs> so you got a lot of blacks who like to revise history, like to say that the first person to die in the Revolutionary War was a black man. Actually they was walking out of a tavern and got in an argument and you know, something pursuit, but that was before the war began. That no that wasn't
1: the actual story. The story is that um they were throwing snowballs at the uh at the Red Guard and uh they got a little bit angry and they started putting rocks in the middle of the snowballs and it hit a soldier's head and it caused a little gush and then they started turning around and shooting.
3: It, it hmm. kind of reminded me of idiots throwing frozen water bottles and police and riots today.
1: Are you telling me that nobody back then was smarter than we are today with our genius behavior?
3: I think human beings learn from experience. And that experience could warrant a profit or a mistake, so yes,
1: that's sir. the way it goes. But, you know, we, we we already did that in France, and we already did that in Rome. You know, how many times do you have to repeat the same mistake?
3: Well, yeah, but everybody wasn't at those events. <clears throat> and you have smart people. You know, that's another thing. Intelligence and brilliance is not isolated to any one ethnic group. I and mean, then you can go to the most remotest places, and out of the people in that place, you can pull someone that's brilliant in any particular area, whether it's science, cooking, innovation, or whatever. Yes, sir.
0: Now I don't disagree here, with that I'm, at uh, all. I got some uh, other things I've been pulling up here.
2: <laughs>
0: let me see if I can find that poem for you. And, and uh I was looking at that that, that poem you know it's a history Minute right? and uh you know let's see if I get the poem for you, Here you go. but uh, to me the definition um of a revolution versus war for independence independence you know they were the, we already had the the revolution i mean in other words uh, America was already established as an independent group of people who just wanted to be free, and the British wanted to subjugate you know Americans and make colonies well, we weren't changing anything. The revolution, I guess, well, it's, maybe I may I have to rethink this a little bit. The revolution was what had already occurred. In other words, our founding, you know, based on principles of individual rights. You know, so it was really a war for independence from the British. I guess the revolution, I don't know. The people that came here had already been through their own personal revolution. Otherwise, they wouldn't have come here. Um, I'll have to rethink that. But a war for, when I think of the, the French Revolution, for example, was a, was a political philosophical change. Uh, and it got incredibly violent. And I don't think it accomplished what they wanted, but they went from a monarchy, you know, to uh, to a dictatorship, and then back to a monarchy. It's kind of interesting. Uh, let me see if I can find where's the poem. They're not giving me the poem, huh? I have to find it.
1: Greg, at this point, I need a serenade. I want to hear some poetic justice.
0: Okay. Well, let me see if I can find uh, the, the poem from, uh, from the person that wrote it here. Let's go back to my article. On oh, this day, what happened? Here we go. I get a bunch of ads. No, that's not the one I'm looking for. I'm a little, I'm a little all over the place today. That's okay. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, here we go. Uh, so it was, it was, who wrote the poem? Uh, Helen Moore, Helen F. Moore. So let's add that to my, my search and see what I get here. poem Helen F. Moore. H-E-L. I've never heard the other one. This is where I'm kind of curious. Mm. Then we have a bunch of stuff to talk about with the different events that happened this day. Okay, let's see if I can get the parody here. I don't think I've ever heard this one. Uh, So where's... They talk about her poem, but they don't actually give it to me. This is the part that frustrates me. Ah, here we go. I think I found it. It is worth a... Oh, uh, here. This is from Real Clear History. It is worth uh, the read, so I have concluded this with the full text of the poem. <laughs> I am a wandering beer shade, a hero made. Poets never sung my praise. Nobody crowned my brow with bay. And if you ask me the fatal cause, I answer only. My name was Dot's. Tis all very well for the children to hear of the man, Paul Revere, but why should my name be forgot? Who rode as boldly and well? God wot, why should I? Why should I ask? The reason is clear. My name was Dawes, and his Revere. <laughs> this is actually pretty good. When the lights from the old Testament church flashed out, Paul Revere was waiting about. but I was already on the way. The shadow of night fell cold and gray. As I rode with never a rake or Oz, but what was the use when my name was Dawes? Henry <laughs> rings with his silver name. Close to me are the portals of fame. Had he been Dawes and I revere, no one had heard of him, I fear. No one's heard of me because he was revere and I was Dawes. That's a great poem. I had never heard that before. Have you heard that?
1: Can you just, I'm sorry, Just conceptualize because you hear the concept of somebody being revered. Can you conceptualize like in your mind somebody being dosed?
0: That's an interesting point. I never thought about that, that Paul Revere was revered because he was Revere. That's yes. a really good point. I never thought about that. Hmm. It's funny how our language works. <laughs> All right. Let's, um, let's talk for a little bit before we do more of the Lexington Concord thing, which we'll get to. There's four things. Actually, there's, there's a bunch of things that happened on this day. Waco, Lexington, Warsaw, and Oklahoma. Which one do you want to take up first, gentlemen? Anybody else wants to call in, feel free. Let's see if uh, Marco's uh, in. Please, uh...
1: please, anybody call in talking about Waco and Jana Reno. Well,
0: let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, in fact, I got Marco on the, uh, on live chat in the Netherlands. So he's on with us now, too. Uh, he's probably been here for a little. Yeah, no, I actually just got on. Um, this, and so Marco, gets get you caught up here, this is Patriot's Day. This is the day that started the war for independence, as we call it. Um, Some people call it American Revolution. We, we can debate that. But uh, the British sailed into town, and they marched up from Boston to Lexington, where I used to live. Uh, it's about 13 miles, and they, they marched up the hill, and it took them all, you know, good part of the morning. They eventually got to the Lexington the Battle Green, where a bunch of drunken Minutemen, because if you were facing 600 British soldiers, uh, I'd have a couple of uh, you know mugs of mead myself and face them with muskets, and I think it was about 20 or 30. I'm not sure how many Minutemen, not that many, uh, but they held up the British long enough in Lexington so that the other Minutemen gathered at the Old North Church, and that's where the real battle really got going, and the British were, were shot at you know, from behind trees you know, as they marched bravely down the street in their red coats in nice formation, thank you very much, all the way back to Boston, and the war was on. So that, in a nutshell, is what happened uh, on April 19th. Now, as uh, a citizen... The uh, Well, actually, as I know I was still Canadian at this point, but as a resident of Lexington, Massachusetts, you know, I rang the Belfry. We used to do the kids, high school kids, we'd go, we'd get a chance to ring the Belfry, you know, before dawn. So we'd be up there like four in the morning, ringing the old Belfry, you know, alerting the town. And of course, the uh, the Minutemen were in the Buckman Tavern, which still stands. Uh, And nobody knows where the shot heard around the world came from. Uh, I'm guessing... It's from one of the houses or the tavern itself. Anyway, so the British lined up, and uh, Captain John Parker was the was the, was the captain of the minutemen, and he said, uh, "Don't fire unless fired upon." But if they mean to start a war, let it begin here. And of course, that's exactly what happened. And so we we I've seen reenactments. You know, they had the British come in, march into town. The biggest one was uh, 1976. Excuse me the bicentennial when I was still in high school. I was a junior in high school and Gerald Ford was there and they had the whole reenactment and the whole thing and they had security and secret service everywhere. It was amazing. And Jer- Jerry, Ford was, was shaking hands. And then he was uh, about to shake my hand. And then the secret service said, Nope, time to switch sides. So I missed shaking Jerry Ford's hand as he crossed the street to go uh, meet other people. But I looked into his eyes and uh, it was interesting looking at the eyes of a president and it's kind of like um, um, Joe Biden. It's like nobody was really there. I, I didn't see that alert consciousness. You, you know, you see some presidents like Jimmy Carter. When I, when I saw him in Washington during my 1980 internship, he was intense. You knew, you know, right or wrong, and I think he was wrong on a lot of things. But there was definitely, you know, a brain working there. There was somebody home. Uh, Donald Trump, same way, is is very intense and knows exactly what's going on. Joe Biden hasn't a clue. Uh, Ronald Reagan was very affable and friendly, but you know, he he knew what was going on too. Um, so is uh, Barack Obama. Very intense, very intelligent, and very dangerous. Um, but it's interesting that some of the presidents, Bill Clinton, I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know what he knows or what he was doing. Anyway, um just had a question about Janet Reno and Waco. So let's let's, let's start with Waco. Let's start with the biggest event uh, that happened on this day 30 years ago. Josh, what do you know about uh, uh, Waco and the Branch Davidians?
1: Well, I know that the guy was a co-leader. Uh... He Why?
0: What, what, what made it a cult?
1: Cult is when uh, you cannot question your leader,
0: and mm-hmm.
1: especially oh, he—he, he, oh, I'm sorry. What? He—he—he uh, he, he was going off of um, Christianity. I'm not going to say any other religion in America that is doing that right now.
0: Well, they were and actually he the ended Seventh up, Day Adventists, so they were—they were. They were <laughs> They were loosely affiliated with the Seventh-day Adventists. Okay? Uh, You don't hear about that much. So it had a religious foundation. But? Yes. Could people come and and go freely? Were they allowed to leave?
1: More or less, yes.
0: Well, more or less. I mean, it makes a difference. More. I mean, what makes a cult?
1: A cult is when you cannot question your leader.
0: Uh, What else?
1: When you're encouraged not Um, to speak to other people that might contradict you your co leaders or, or your
3: leaders. Pianchi? You can't question your leader in a church. Yeah, that's interesting. You can't question no, I the government. Did that, I'm, I'm what about too. questioning the government? Uh, I already did that. <laughs> These days, yeah. So are I mean, you kidding me? Yeah.
1: No, Yeah, no, we're not
3: criticizing not. what you say, Josh, but you just remind that and I'm saying black churches on Wednesday night. During the class and teaching, you can't question a preacher or a pastor.
1: And that sounds very sad to me, my
0: friend. A See, this is where <laughs> this is where Wendy would normally be. <laughs> to, so I, I really wish we could. Uh, it be great to talk to her about that. The minute you cannot question a pastor or a priest, a minister, uh, or anybody in church, they, they've lost their purpose. I mean you can question God. You know, Wendy Wendy talks about you know where it says in scripture, you know, come reason with me when God is talking to us. You know, so if God will reason with you, who's to say why do why do church ministers, pastors, fathers, you know, all these folks think that they they can't be questioned? That puts them completely out of God right there.
3: Look at it another way, you two.
0: Okay. A black conservative
3: can't question a black liberal.
0: That's interesting. See now, in this show, anybody can question yeah. anybody. We we don't we don't have those labels, and anybody's welcome.
2: Here. Can I
1: can I throw can I throw something sure. on the mix there? Sure. Uh, Jacob wrestled with an angel that God sent, and he named him Israel, which means to struggle with God. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to you're supposed to question things. I don't know.
0: How well, that's where we have free will and free things. reason. <laughs> uh, along uh, well, along with free will comes free reason. But here's here's the thing. All right, let me do, give you a quick synopsis of of of, uh, of Waco. So you've got a Seventh Day Adventist community that's really different. You got Koresh. The, I'll, I'll be honest; he's got some pretty wacky ideas. I mean, he was not. It's not a place where I would go. I would not want to be. I would not be a part of that community. You know, basically, he he thought he was the only one that could pro, that could uh, procreate with all the women, and he was the one that uh, basically, you know, they're all married to him. I mean, he had some pretty strange ideas. But this is America; you're allowed to have strange ideas, and you're allowed to say you're an idiot. I'm not going to be here <laughs> and, and leave. But a certain you know percentage of people, a certain group, were attracted to to live in this uh, religious compound. Now, here's what we also know: we know they had guns because they believed in the Second Amendment. We know that, the, uh, that Koresh, the, the leader, who's, that wasn't his real name, he changed his name, uh, used to go to town all the time. You know, it's not like the, the, the law enforcement couldn't talk to him. The sheriff, if he ever wanted to talk to Koresh, just said, hey, Dave, come on into town. we got to chat. I'm like, okay. So we know that, that uh, local law enforcement had no problems with these people. Okay? State law enforcement had no problems with these people because if they did, they would have you know, either questioned, arrested, subpoenaed, or done something in some kind of due process of law. But they never did. So it wasn't a problem. The, the group that had a problem with them or used them was the ATF. Now, Bill Clinton had just come to office, so this was 1993, so he would have been inaugurated January 20th of 1993 as he won the 1992 election. And uh, the ATF was where they should be, you know, righted, looked upon as a horrible agency, and it was budget time. And they needed to, to show how tough they were and how big and strong they were and how necessary they were to the government to get funding. So they created something called Operation Showtime. That was the code name for Waco. So they start this, this uh, thing where they want to, you know, come in guns blazing, uh, serve a search warrant uh, and arrest a whole bunch of people. Well, the branch civilians shot back because a reporter tipped off that there was going to be a raid. Uh, because the reporter, it's just like today. See, Waco was like a was like the, the model for everything that's happening today. And so, a reporter, and I've got this in a, in a story. I'll, I don't know if I'll get to the stories, and we'll just talk about it. But a reporter asked the Branch Davidians, you know, how to get there. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. And of course, they talked to David Koresh, and then like the day before, I said, wait a minute, we got something going on. There's going to be a raid here. So they were armed. They were ready with their guns. They thought they're all going to be killed, which is eventually what happened anyway. So they were right. So the AF uh, comes in, guns blazing, starts shooting. Uh, it's uh, the, the current knowledge is that they fired the first shot. Uh, the Branch civilians shot back. Uh, four Branch civilians were killed. I think one ATF person was either killed or injured. Uh, they went back, and then they created a siege. They literally surrounded the building. Well, the ATF is so incompetent that the FBI came in, you know, the real stormtroopers. And, and the whole operation, uh, they surrounded them. They played horrible music, you know, at Incredible decibels. They shone bright lights in there. They basically tortured these people for 51 days. And then when they say negotiations broke, broke down, there were no negotiations. It was surrender or that's it. It was just surrender was the only option for these people. And they really thought they were going to be killed. And as, and as it turns out, that's what happened. So, so Janet Reno's had enough. So she uh, sends in the tanks and they, they, uh, they completely filled their, their, their community. Um, But this stuff called CS gas, which is a a weapons-grade poison gas, uh, which Janet Reno called an irritant. Right. Yeah, that's like calling an atom bomb an explosion. (laughs) It's like a little bit stronger than that. Anyway, so they had the CS gas, which is highly flammable, never to be used in a a concentrated inside space. So, of course, they put it in there. They punched holes in the building uh, so the wind would whistle through and literally fan the flames. Uh, Pyrotechnic devices were fired into the, uh, the, the, the Branch Davidian home, uh, and they were, uh, of course, they exploded, and, and CS gas caught fire, and uh, the ATF and the FBI were waiting outside with guns, and those who escaped from that uh, were basically taken into custody and, and either made to testify uh, against the Branch Davidians or arrested, or they were treated horribly, but at least they are better off than the people inside because they all died, including children. And rather than investigate this, uh, the government uh, sent in the bulldozers, bulldozed all these people into the ground in a mass grave. I don't even know if they've ever been uh, taken out of there. As far as I know, the mass grave is probably still there. Uh, And uh, they went for a congressional hearing where uh, guess who presided? Joe Biden. (laughs) He was the senator in charge, right? So uh, he established his creds uh, as a a domestic terrorist KGB security agent with that. And it's been whitewashed, lied about. You know, the, the best movie on it is Waco, The Rules of Engagement. Would be the best description of what happened. Basically, this was a government massacre of a community for the sole purpose of making the ATF look good in a budget hearing, and to make Clinton look big and tough, and to show what a big and tough and bad dude he was. Because uh, we all thought he was a an sexual, and not, we still do. So that's I what happened not, in Waco.
1: I do not. No, no, I do not disagree with that in any way, shape, or form.
0: Okay. No, good.
1: that's. Yeah, no, that that was a fair assessment of what they did.
0: Mm-hmm. And no one's been held uh, held responsible. Bill Clinton, <clears throat> who should have stood, stood trial for for mass murder, never has. Janet Reno uh, died, so we can't hold her responsible. But as I told Pianchi yesterday, uh, do you know who the deputy attorney general was under uh, under Janet Reno at the time of Waco? Heavily involved in the operation.
1: Oh, uh, please tell me it's Yeah, there, I know it. their name.
0: Go ahead, Pianki. Who is it? Hold it. Eric Holder,
3: No, who
0: who went on to become okay. Attorney General under Barack Obama, who oh, was his okay. assistant. Okay,
1: I, I have a question. Wait,
0: wait, wait. Hold on. Let me let me finish this. Who is the assistant deputy to yeah. Eric Holder? Merrick Merrick Garland, who also became Attorney General under uh, the coup, under the illegal government of Joe Biden. So the two people uh, who are still here, you know, from Waco, who were the number two and number three. And the Department of Justice, there's a false name if ever there was one, uh, both became a fraternity general and basically were national terrorists, setting up a KGB state. That's where they got their training, from Janet Reno at Waco. I find that fascinating. And that Joe Biden presided over the the Waco hearings? Oh, please. Well, I have to check that out. Maybe it was John Danforth. i got to check that out. But I know Joe Biden was on the committee. Um, Josh, I think you were going to say something
1: yes sir do
0: you recognize those two names Merrick Garland and uh, Eric Holder
1: yes yes I do
0: so I was curious to find out and it took me a long time to find this out I only found one article that told me but you look up Merrick Garland you do not see Waco in his biography you look up Eric Holder you don't see it in his either you know other than the fact that they ma- were in that no,
1: well, I can't can, find can out I, what they did can I
2: say,
1: can I say something it's a mere it's amazing how America is a lot like every other Western monarch when it comes to being able to say things happened in this way and things didn't happen at all.
0: Well history. Uh, I mean the 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 branch Davidians aren't writing the history. You know, although you can get interviews no, and, and no
1: you that know, things no, like... they no, I pro- I can I I'm not gonna say, you know, definitively uh-huh. I'm never gonna speak for God but those people are going, going to hell. Um, what was your next uh, topic?
2: Well, here's the to thing, though.
0: About? Uh, let's, let's consider some of the things that were never considered. You know, they could have left. You know, the ATF and the FBI could have simply left. These people have never posed a danger to anybody else, uh, but they were falsely accused, I think, of, of pedophilia and massing all kinds of illegal guns. Well, under the Second Amendment, there are no illegal guns as long as you keep and bear them. And and they were using them in self-defense because they were being shot at by the ATF. You know, people don't realize that that if if the government comes after you unjustly, you have a right to defend yourself against the government. That's the the whole purpose of a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. You know, so so what was the crime? And what, you know, why didn't they just, and this is what I never understood. I never understood anybody else in government saying, you have to leave, leave this alone. Diffuse the situation. Go away. It's not like these people are going anywhere. Wait a minute. minute. Hold on. It's not like these people are going anywhere. All they had to do was leave. Stop the siege. Let it calm down. Go in. Talk to Koresh. And uh, and investigate the situation. I know these accusations were false because nobody ever complained about them to law enforcement saying, please, they're they're, they're molesting children in there. You've got to go in and arrest uh, everybody. Nobody ever did that. And they were free to come and go. So that's how I know the accusations were false. Josh,
1: can I? I was just going to ask a question. Um, uh, their communication, their ability to speak to people, because you're talking about a free state that should have been a free state of Texas. Um, if Where anybody was Texas? in the other, mm-hmm. I know <laughs> that's that's the question I'm asking.
0: Where we're Texas Rangers. Yes. Where was the governor of Texas at the time? Where was the attorney general of Texas? Where was anybody in Texas? Where was the mayor of Waco? Where was the county sheriff of Waco? Where was anybody associated with this? They were all blocked out. I even heard the fire department was blocked from going in uh, after the fire started. They wanted to kill them. There's your government. Yeah. This is the worst massacre of government of American citizens in our entire history, and nobody is talking about it on the news except for us. We're it. That is staggering take yes, a break sir. for a couple minutes we're gonna take a break for a couple minutes I'm going to come back with uh, some other articles uh, I found out uh, uh, some of the other things that happened the Warsaw Ghetto uh, uprising we've talked about April 19th uh, for our, our war for independence and uh, we can talk about Boston a little bit more too so it's now eight o'clock oh, good time to take a break so 8 a.m. Central time back in I'll oh, play some music for the. let let's, let's keep our revolutionary fervor going and I'll play a little music and then a couple of commercials <music> Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic, and is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m. Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should too. Do you know your way around health care, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. See what news articles I can rip off the uh, teletype. All right, so I got both my colleagues back live. I muted you guys simply because I heard background noise on one of them, and I couldn't figure out which one. So, Pianchi and Josh are now back on the line. So, let's get to uh, this day in history from Britannica. This is the Encyclopedia Britannica, that wonderful uh, worldwide source. Uh, they talk about the American Revolution, here we go, uh, this day in 1775. They said, launch this day in 1775, battles of Lexington and Concord. The American Revolution was an effort by 13 British colonies in North America with the help from, from France, Spain, and the Netherlands to win their independence. <laughs> an effort? Is that what they call it? This is what the British, the British Encyclopedia Britannica calls it, an effort, you know, by 13 British colonies in North America. You know, uh, with with the help of these other countries to win their independence. But they, they, did they say that we won? Let me, see, let me look this up and say that we actually won it. I don't think so.
1: I don't know if I. I, I doubt. I did, I don't think they would ever admit that. But I'm also offended that uh, France was a uh, leading factor.
0: France was. France. Was I'm key. sorry.
1: I'm sorry. I'm Irish.
0: Well, what's that? What's that got to do with anything?
1: 'Cause how many world wars do we have to save them from, you know?
0: Well they saved and us also, in uh, – wait a minute, wait a minute. They they uh they definitely saved no, us they, in, they, in the 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 American
1: Revolution. Okay. They got right. one on us.
0: Well World War One okay. um the World War we got into it. If we hadn't gotten into it, they would have stalemated and gone home. There wouldn't have been a World War Two. But I the, know uh,
1: well okay, do you want do you wanna talk about that?
0: Um a little bit, but not a whole lot, because I got a bunch of other things I want to cover today. But so as far as France, your, have you been to we'll France? Talk about this have, later. have you have you been to France? Have you talked to the French?
1: I've been to Calais. I've never been to Paris. You mean Calais? Every, okay, every time, time I, I talk love, to I love somebody Paris. from a different nation.
0: You know, okay. No. It, the reason I'm, I'm asking, actually, one of the places I went, I took my daughter to uh, Caen, which is uh, spelled C-A-E-N. Uh, it's right near the Normandy beaches. That's where we landed with the Normandy invasion. And as soon as they find out to this day, well, this is back in, um, uh, this would have been 20, 2007, 2006, I think, right there. Anyway, uh, but they were still, you know, generations later, you know, they, they found out, they're still thanking us. I said, I wasn't there. <laughs> I really appreciate it. But uh, thank you. I appreciate it. But I was, I was you know, but just that they so, are so grateful for Americans in uh, northern France liberated them from Nazi Germany to this day. And these are people, these are young folks I talked to who weren't even in the war. You know, we're still grateful. Uh, the French are wonderful. I've never had a problem with the French. I love the French. Uh, the different, <laughs> which is nice, but uh, it's a very interesting country. You should uh, think about it more. Anyway, um, so here's what the blurb says. American Revolution also its war of independence or American Revolutionary War. 1775 to 83. Then it says, insurrection... <laughs> I can't find an interesting choice of words from Encyclopedia Britannica, knowing how how misused the word insurrection is for January 6th. Insurrection uh, by which 13 of Great Britain's North American colonies won political independence. Actually, we won total independence, you British snoots. Won political independence and went on to form the United States of America. Well, (laughs) for more than a decade of estrangement between the British crown and a large and influential segment of its North American colonies... (laughs) <laughs> that was caused by British attempts to assert greater control over colonial affairs after having long adhered to a policy of salutary neglect. Oh, this is hysterical. Uh, I have to uh, pay to read the rest of it uh, or become a member. That's funny. <laughs> so, so what do you think of the British interpretation of, of our war print? And minutes? Any comments? Nope,
1: nope, nope. They got, they got exactly what they asked for.
2: What's you're gonna
1: send a bunch of you're gonna send millions of people across the planet on the other side of the pond, and then you're gonna tell them that you're gonna have to pay higher taxes. And hey, yeah, you don't really deserve to defend yourself. And then what? What the hell do you what? what?
0: It's like the fact that they they call them British colonies. You know, even after it seems like they were still British colonies. There is no king.
1: No, that's the That's the whole thing. Is there is no king on the soil. There is mm-hmm. nothing to bow to. There is nothing on the soil. That's across mm-hmm. the pond. That's that's months away on a boat. Well, the,
0: the the biggest difference, and this is something that should be taught in schools. This is where Pianki is probably going to comment. Is that um, British are subjects, Americans are citizens. The British are not citizens. There's only one citizen. That's that's uh, King Charles, or soon to be crowned King Charles. The sovereign is the only citizen in England. Everybody else is a subject, subject to the crown. They still haven't removed that. They still call themselves British subjects. Well, Americans are never subjects. Americans are citizens, I, sovereign, and independent. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the war was fought I, over. I,
1: yes, Americans do not bend knees. You bend your knee to God. Maybe. Well, except for that guilty white to people, people that bend to
0: Black Lives Matter, but that's another story. Let me talk about the Warsaw oh, Uprising. <laughs> so let's talk about another thing. April you 19th know, you, that does not been reported. All right, hang on. There's another thing that doesn't get reported. And that's the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. I'll ask both of you at the end of this why it doesn't get reported. So this is in Second British Britannica, the British snoots that uh, said that we were an incorrect <laughs> brown. Yeah, right. This is Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, resistance by Polish Jews under Nazi occupation in 1943 to the de- deportations from Warsaw to the Treblinka extermination camp. Well, at least they got that right. The revolt began on April 19th. 1943. So this is a huge day in history and was crushed four weeks later. You know, it sounds a lot like Waco, actually, uh, on May 16th. As part of Adolf Hitler's final solution for ridding Europe of Jews, the Nazis established ghettos in areas under German control to kill Jews until they could be executed. Warsaw ghetto enclosed at first with barbed wire, but later with a brick wall uh, 10 feet 3 meters. It's kind of like the Berlin Wall, it sounds like. Uh, 11 miles long. So here we go. I don't, don't remember this. So it was later brick wall, uh, it was 10 feet or 3 meters high, 11 miles, uh, 18 kilometers, uh, comprised of the old, comprised uh, the old Jewish quarter of Warsaw. The Nazis herded Jews. I'll get this barbed wire out of the way. The Nazis herded Jews from surrounding into this district until by 1942, nearly half a million uh, of them lived within its 840 acres. That's not very big. Uh, many had no housing at all. And those who did were crowded in, and about nine people per room. Starvation, uh, starvation, and disease, especially typhus, killed thousands each month. Beginning in 19, July 22, 1942, transfers to the death camp at Treblinka began at a rate of more than 5,000 Jews per day. Between July and September 1942, Nazis shipped about 250,000 or a million Jews from Warsaw to Treblinka. I'm uh, surprised, you know, they haven't mentioned Auschwitz yet, which is interesting. Because Auschwitz is where a lot of the folks went um, in Poland. So, but I guess Warsaw, was I don't know, i have to look it up. Anyway, it says, only some 55,000 remained in the ghetto. As the deportations continued, despair gave way to a determination to resist. A newly formed group, the Jewish Fighting Organization, uh, they sit in Poland here, the Organica anyway, slowly took effective control of the ghetto. So, uh, here we go. This is a January – actually, this is a pretty extensive article. They give me a lot of it. On January ninth, 1943, Heinrich Hillner, the chief of the, US, the Nazi paramilitary corps <laughs> – how about the Gestapo, the, the secret police? Anyway, the SS, it says, visited the Warsaw Ghetto. Visited? He ordered the deportation of an eight, another 8,000 Jews. The January deportations caught the Jews by a and the ghetto that the had. Making use of the many hiding places that they had created since April, Jews did not re- report as ordered. The resistance sprang into action. Jewish fighters could strike quickly, then escape across the rooftops. German troops, on the other hand, moved cautiously and did not go down to the cellars. When the German deportation effort ended within a few days, Jews interpreted this as a victory. From then on, the resistance dominated the ghetto. The resistance fortified hideouts and strengthened fighting units in preparation for the next battle as when leader recall. See, this is, I didn't know this article was so big. I just kind of just discovered this, but I want to continue it because to me, what the Nazis did in the Warsaw Ghetto is exactly what Bill Clinton did to the Branch Davidians. All right. An unpopular religious minority uh, was exterminated. All right. What's the difference? Well, in the German, in, in the case of Germany, there's a lot more people. We're talking half a million as opposed to 80. But basically, the object was the same. Anyway, the article says, having withdrawn, the Germans suspended deportation until April 19th. There we go. Here launched a special operation to clear the ghetto in honor of Adolf Hitler's birthday, April 20th. Well, isn't that interesting? Actually, we're not celebrating that tomorrow. April 19th was also the first day of Passover. There we go. The Jewish Holy Days celebrating freedom from slavery in Egypt. Before dawn, 2,000 SS men and German Army troops moved into the area with tanks. Sounds like Waco rapid-fire artillery, and ammunition trailers. While most remaining Jews hid in bunkers, (laughs) the Branch Davidians, the ZOB and a few independent bands of Jewish guerrillas, in all some 15 to strong, opened fire with their motley weaponry, pistols, a few rifles, one machine gun, and homemade bombs. Sounds like the Branch Davidians. Destroying a number of tanks, killing German troops, and holding off reinforcements trying to enter the ghetto. The Germans withdrew in the evening. The next day the fighting resumed and casualties mounted. The Germans used gas, just like they did at Waco, police dogs, just like Waco, and flames, just like Waco. <laughs> I'm adding they're just like Waco, that's not in the Encyclopedia Britannica. In an effort to rout the Jews from their bunkers, leaving the city, that's what they used to they, they, they call the branch of it in the compound, leaving the city under a pall of smoke for days. On the third day, the Germans' tactics shifted. They no longer entered the ghetto in large groups, but roamed it in small bands. Then they made a decision to burn the entire ghetto, just like Waco. See, the parallels are, are un, unmistakable, unbelievable. This is the Germans had planned to liquidate the ghetto in three days. The Jews held out for nine Do you know how they held out? Privately owned firearms, folks. Second Amendment. You know, uh, the the Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto were fighting the Nazis with guns, with private guns, any guns they could get their hands on. Had they had more guns, had we sent guns to the Warsaw Ghetto, had we shipped guns in, clandestinely put guns in the hands of Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto, they might have been able to fight back successfully. But we didn't do that, though. How about that? Back to the article. The Germans had planned to liquidate the ghetto in three days. The Jews held out for nearly a month. About how long was the Waco siege? 51 days. Hmm. Uh, comments? I can I can take a break here. Pianchi, did you have a comment?
1: Can I say something? Offensive? Oh. Not really that offensive. Um, during World War II, if the Pope would have called on Catholics to swarm all of Europe and Asia, none of that stuff would have happened.
0: Yeah, if we took them, They re- would have re- been, re- been overwhelmed. From, uh, if we took the ships of Jews that escaped from Nazi Germany and said that Roosevelt did, things would have been different, too. But we sent them back. There's a really terrible No
2: history.
1: Yeah, dude, yeah, no, I get okay. Uh, yes. That's obviously terrible.
0: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. We
1: uh, we already we already did that we already experienced this though, you know. So
0: okay. uh right.
1: secondary was Waco.
0: Do you see the parallel between the Nazis and Waco uh and uh yeah. and, uh and his Nazis and uh Waco?
3: Yeah, you breaking up do you pretty think,
1: bad. No, this do you gonna, think? No, this is oh, the wait question a Josh, that Josh, I have. Hold on, though. Josh.
3: Josh, hold on. Stop. Pianki
0: said
3: hey, you breaking up pretty bad, but this is uh, what the kids in Tennessee need to be taught. Or they're marching to remove guns and take away guns, they need to be taught history. And I posted this in reply to it, I say it is not the gun laws or infringement on law-abiding people, gun weapon rights. It is the person who uses these instruments in an illegal way. Why mislead these young people into this belief? They will remember you for this. It is the human behavior, not the gun. so uh,
0: yeah, that's a good point if I want more def- weapons
3: uh, and better weapons. Things would have been different.
0: Yeah. Now, at what point was that breaking up? Because I can go over this again. Uh, do you remember where I was? I was how's it sound now? But I hate. I hate having it, it broken up. Now. It was, okay. All right. Did you think I it or could you get most of it?
3: Now it's coming back. It came back for a brief. No, we got the gist of it, but you know, it was every other word. Blip, 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 blip.
2: Yeah,
0: see that that's that's yeah, all right. Let me just uh, uh, let me do it this time without the commentary because I really think uh, it's critical. Now I might have been shouting because I got excited when I read it.
3: No, so you it's need okay to now. Blow up yesterday, but you yeah. it on the radio.
0: Okay, well I just you know I've got my gain pretty low. Let me uh, let me back in front of it. Let me try this again. So this is Britannica, Wikipedia, Britannica, Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. I'm just going to read it and then we can talk about it. Uh, resistance by Polish Jews under Nazi occupation in 1943 to the deportations from Warsaw to the Treblinka extermination camp. The revolt began on April 19th, 1943, and was crushed four weeks later on May 16th. As part of Adolf Hitler's final solution for ridding Europe of Jews, the Nazis established ghettos in areas under German control until they could be executed. Warsaw ghetto enclosed at first with barbed wire, but later with a brick wall, 10 feet high and 11 miles long, comprised the old Jewish quarter of Warsaw. The Nazis herded Jews from surrounding areas into this district until by the summer of 1942, nearly half a million of them lived within its 840 acres. Many had no housing at all, and those who did were crowded in at about nine people per room. Starvation and disease, typhus, killed thousands of Beginning July 22, 1942, transfers to the death camp at Treblinka began at a rate of more than 5,000 Jews per day. Between July and September 1942, the Nazis shipped about 265,000 Jews from Warsaw to Treblinka. Only some 55,000 remained in the ghetto. As the deportations continued, despair gave way to determination to resist. A newly formed group, the Jewish Fighting Organization, the ZOB, slowly effective control of the ghetto. On January 9th, 1943, and scroll down, Heinrich Himmler, the chief of the SS, the, the Nazi paramilitary corps, entered the Warsaw Ghetto. He ordered the deportation of another 8,000 Jews. The January deportations caught the Jews by surprise, and the ghetto residents thought that the end had come. Making use of the many hiding places they had created since April, Jews did not report as ordered. The resistance sprang in action. Jews would strike quickly, then escape across the rooftop. German troops, on the other hand, moved cautiously and would not go down to cellars. When the German deportation effort ended within a few days, Jews interpreted this as a victory. From then on, the resistance dominated the ghetto. The resistance fortified hideouts and strengthened fighting units in preparation for the next battle. As one COB leader uh, recalled, Having withdrawn, the Germans suspended deportations until April 19th, when Himmler launched a special operation to put in honor of Adolf Hitler's birthday, April 20th. And that was also the first day of Passover, the Jewish Holy Day celebrating freedom from slavery in Egypt. Before dawn, 2,000 SS men and German Army troops moved into the area with tanks, rapid-fire artillery, and ammunition trailers. While most remaining Jews hid in bunkers, by pre-arrangement, the ZOB and a few independent bands of Jewish guerrillas, in all some 1,500 strong, opened fire with their motley weaponry, pistols, a few rifles, one machine gun, and homemade bombs, destroying tanks, killing German troops, and holding reinforcements trying to enter the ghetto. The Germans withdrew in the evening. The next day, the fighting resumed and casualties mounted. The Germans used gas police dogs and flamethrowers in an effort to rout the Jews from their bunkers, leaving the city under a pall of smoke for days. On the third day, the Germans' tactics shifted. They no longer entered the ghetto in large groups, but roamed in small bands. Then they made a decision to burn the entire ghetto. The Germans had planned to liquidate it for three days. The Jews held out for nearly a month. Resistance fighters succeeded in hiding in the sewers, even though the Germans tried first to flood them, and forced them out with smoke bombs. Not until May 8th did the Nazis manage to take the ZOB headquarters bunker. Civilians hiding there surrendered, but many of the surviving ZOB fighters took their own lives to avoid being captured alive. So did Mordecai uh, and Nielwitz, the charismatic young commander of the underground army. The one battle continued until May 16th, becoming sporadic as Jewish ammunition was exhausted. Total casualty figures for the uprising are uncertain, but the Germans likely lost several hundred soldiers during the 28 days that it took them to kill or deport over 40,000 Jews. SS Major General Jürgen Stroop survived the coup de grace by the dynamiting of the great synagogue of Warsaw. Thereupon, he wrote his report, the Warsaw Ghetto is no more. Warsaw Ghetto uprising was nothing less than a revolution in Jewish history. Jews had resisted the Nazis in force. The significance and symbolic resonance of the uprising went far beyond those who fought and died. As Anilvitz wrote in his colleague, uh, Yitzhak Zuckerman, he says, my life, my life's dream has now been realized. Jewish self-defense in the ghetto is now an accomplished fact. I have been witness to the magnificent heroic struggle of the Jewish fighters. Uh, I got oh, just a little bit more here. Some aspects of the Warsaw Uprising were common to all ghetto Resistance came when all hope for survival and what trust in the leadership of the Nazi-created Judenreits, Jewish councils, was lost. More than 300,000 had died at the extermination camps. The rail cars were at the station. The fighters knew that they were bound to lose. There was no longer a choice between life and death, but the honor of the Jewish people was at stake. They chose to die fighting and to inflict casualties on the enemy. Jewish fighters faced overwhelmingly superior forces, even if they are uh, understated with responses. The German figures report reflect the mismatch. Other Jews captured. The Germans shot 7,000 and transported 7,000 to the death camp at Treblinka, 15,000 to Majdanek. and they're not familiar with that camp, and the remainder to forced labor camps. The Germans captured nine rifles, 15 pistols, and several hundred grenades, explosives, and mines. Among the Germans and their collaborators, the stated losses were 16 dead and 85 wounded. So, so just about the the Jews in the ghetto who had abandoned all hope who's who were going to be killed or one way or another anyway, held off the German Nazi armed forces, the SS for a month with nine rifles, 59 pistols and several hundred hand grenades and explosives and mines. That is staggering. Yeah.
2: The, the,
1: the rest of uh, uh... I don't accept that, only because um, they, the Russians, the Soviets, wouldn't have taken that measure. Um, the Africans might have, but the Soviets wouldn't have about. taken that measure.
0: The Soviets weren't there. The Soviets the Russians later. I mean, what the Russians did to pull their story was the Nazis and the, and the communists. Kind of the same thing, really.
1: You think that the Soviets and the Nazis are were the same thing when, when it came to the treatment of the Jews?
0: Um I don't remember a Soviet final solution or an extermination. But the but the so, but the the Russians from the Tsars uh through the communist dictators in Lenin, I mean they're pogroms. I mean Russian Jews were treated horribly. You know, a lot of the yes, Jews sir. in Israel uh are, are Russian descendants.
1: Yeah, no, I, no, I'm not. I'm
0: not saying that's not true. Well, let's
1: I'm
2: get back to the main. The let's treatment... get back to the main
0: topic. Do you see the similarities between uh, the Jewish uprising uh, and events of their lives in the Warsaw Ghetto and the complete obliteration of the Nazis uh, and what Bill Clinton did, you know, on a smaller scale to the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas?
1: Are you asking me to compare what happened to the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas to anything that had to do with the
0: Holocaust? No, I'm talking about the Warsaw Ghetto. Yes, that had to do with the Holocaust, but I'm not talking about the whole Holocaust. I'm um, Because obviously, we could not put truckloads of Jews or anybody war, or Branch Davidians in the Warsaw the, death ghetto, camps.
1: the Warsaw Ghetto?
0: Yeah, just the Warsaw Ghetto in Waco. That's what I'm comparing.
1: Man, that's... I, you know what? I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably steer clear of that comparison. I mean, acknowledge well, both are terrible. I just
0: made that comparison.
1: <laughs> you think the warstock? You think the warstock You think that's the same thing as a branch Davidians?
0: Well, it's a different scale, but the outcome is the same.
1: I, I they, would. They, I they, would they would shot probably... them.
0: They brought in the tanks. They brought in the flamethrowers. They brought in the pyrotechnic devices. They burned the place down and bulldozed them into the ground.
1: Yeah. Same, well, uh, then why aren't you? Ta- no, I no, I I get it. No, I I would probably go a lot farther than what you're talking about. No, <laughs> that's go a lot further. in terms of what? terrible. What
0: am I? What am I missing?
1: Waco compared to anything in World War II?
0: Yeah. Let me, let me put you on hold for a bit. I'll uh, give you a chance to kind of recoup uh, and, and get it going here. Um, Pianki, you see what I'm getting at?
3: Yeah, I see where you're coming from. You're uh, making reference to some bad actors and those bad actors still exist today in their attempts. And one thing in common is that they don't want the uh, people to have the ability to defend themselves to protect themselves then and today.
0: Yeah, you know, let's bring up the point you were talking about earlier because this is really good. Um, that uh, that the whole um, idea of, of the Second Amendment is totally warped, and this is something that uh, we've talked about. In fact, you, you made comment of my argument, uh, which is very you know I, I can do it in bullet point fashion that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land uh, that all rights are absolute because if they're not absolute then they become a government privilege if the government can infringe upon them in any way. The Second Amendment has an absolute right of the right to keep and bear arms. And the reason that that is an absolute right is because if you ever need them for self-defense they have to be instantly available. So that is the supreme law of the land. So any, uh, any gun control law is statutory. Um, Because it comes under on guns, that comes under the Constitution, uh, is statutory law. Let me make actually, I should put the other point in here too. That um, how do you put how do I phrase this? The Second Amendment never mentions the word use. There's no use of firearms in the Second Amendment. It's only the absolute right to keep and bear, because there are legal uses and illegal uses. And since rights are absolute, it would be absurd to make the use of firearms a right. It isn't, because you can use them both legally and illegally. But what the government can't do, what they cannot do, um, because it comes under statutory law, which is subordinate to the Constitution, is make laws that touch upon the right to keep and bear. Because any such law is subordinate to, uh, and basically is over overturned by, the Second Amendment. So if you separate the right to keep and bear, which is absolute, of the of the Constitution with statutory law governing the uses of firearms, both legal and illegal, everything makes sense. So if people would just be taught that, that the use of firearms comes under statutory law, illegal and illegal, and the right to keep and bear arms is under constitutional law, which is supreme to statutory law, then we shouldn't have a problem. But we do. i got to find a shorter way to explain that. Yeah,
3: you're right. Um, uh, and uh, as we go back again the people, is the person, human being, not the weapon. Yeah. And some some human beings have a mental capacity that don't allow them Mm -hmm. to use a weapon or when they do, they tend to use it in an illegal manner against innocent people.
0: Well, let's wrestle with this concept a little bit because the argument is that we can't have people with, with mental health issues carrying firearms. Um, and I'm saying that in our free society, that you uh, have rights, uh, unless you want to go through due process and take them away. And red flag laws are not due process. If a neighbor accuses you of of being a you know a, a right wing wacko and you have to have your guns removed because you threaten them, that's not due process. And yet, that's what red flag laws do.
3: Well, you know what? Uh-huh. You got a good point there, because. The way it is, you can only know the ill intent of a person after they commit the ill intent. Mm -hmm. You can't read their mind, although I understand that there's some uh, Department of Defense is wanting to know how we can read people's minds. But right now, you can't read a person's mind. matter of fact, even a person themselves don't know uh, when they're Mm going to reach that particular level. So what, it, so the, what the, the,
0: the left wants to tell you is that you can prevent mass shootings uh, through laws. What I'm saying is, in a free society, you can't. In a communist society, you make everything illegal. Gun ownership, you know, which is what the left wants. They want a communist society where nobody has rights. People only have permission of the government to do what the government tells them they can do. Well, we can't live that way. Now, one of the risks in a free society is that we don't arrest people for what we think they might do. That's called prior restraint. What we do is give the law-abiding the maximum freedom. So in other words, we do not persecute, prosecute, limit the rights of the vast majority of the law-abiding citizens of this country because a very small number of people are committing assassinations and doing horrible things. What we do is we give the freedom. Well, we don't give the freedom. uh, We're born with the freedom, and the government doesn't infringe upon the freedom. But what you can do is defend yourself against those few assassins and horrible people that are out there. And that's the whole point. So what the government cannot do is take away the means of our self-defense at the same time uh, as saying that they're going to and keep us safe. It's not their job either. Their job is to protect our rights. So in a free society, you know, there's always the risk that a horrible thing might happen um, because people will take advantage and break the law. But until they break the law, you know, they're a law-abiding citizen. Let's get to intent because there is a point where if somebody is, you know, broadcasting on Facebook, you know, saying that they're going to, you know, blow up or shoot. That's like a confession to me. That's Now you've got a reason to investigate them. And if you find plans, blueprints of a school or plans of a school, or if you find evidence that they've actually been plotting this plan, that they're in that, uh, uh, what do they call that? Um there's there's a, there's a legal word for for when you're when you're you're planning an operation but you haven't done it yet I don't know intent or something anyway so you, the intent to commit the crime that's different now that can be gone after you know, you know if you've got terrorist plans if you're or if you're pre oh, i forgot what the word I'll think about it at some point in, along the way but what you can't do is have blanket laws that just take guns away from people. you can't have blank bl- blanket prior uh, restraint. But if you can demonstrate through due process that someone is genuinely dangerous, um, especially by their own admission, that's different. You can head off a terrorist act. You know, if if the evidence out there that they're really planning to do something, they bought the gun, the ammo, they've the plans, they've got all that stuff, they have the intent to do harm. Um, I don't see any reason why law enforcement can't move in at that point. But there's that line between demonstrated intent. And people that just want to take guns away. Prior restraint of some that might have depression, mental health issues, things like that. Piaki? Get w. a point. Yeah. Well, let's go on a wake Out. Let's see what the Encyclopedia Britannica well, says. Let me ask Waco.
3: you something now. Sure. How much more stricter can background tests, I mean, sorry, background uh, exploration go?
0: Well, see, I don't know if you want to do that though, because if you want to do the left would, would use that to limit firearms. Say, for example, uh, that we had a, a political test. You know, say for example that the government of the insurrection of Brandon um, doesn't want me to own because I call them the insurrection of Brandon. <laughs> you know, well, you're you anti-government. You're, and we'll get into the Fox Trial in a minute. Uh, they're like you're denying. You're you're an election denier. You're you're politically dangerous. You believe fake news. You're unstable. You're you know you're you you, you don't you know honor and, and bow to the government of, of Brandon. No, I don't. But what if they have a political test and they, and then the, the psychologists say, well, you know what, you've got some uh, paranoid delusions here. You've got some, some evil, uh, um thoughts and things that the election was uh, for. Uh, we, we consider you unstable. You know, and then they say, okay, <laughs> you know, they say, well, we really don't think you should own guns because we've, we've determined psychologically you're unstable. I mean, that's how the left could do it. They could, if, if you want to do any kind of evaluation, a background check to include anything other than criminal record, already established, due process, recorded events, you got a problem. That, or I've got a with that. So what do you want to include in the background? Other than crimes.
3: That's what the people in uh, Tennessee is. You got uh, certain politicians like it's Chris O'Brien
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, is making reference that the background checks should be more stringent. I am asking, well, what do you call stringent? Like what you do you say, call background checks? Well, I mean, what is it, the well, person? Absolutely. you gonna go yeah, back to a fifty-year-old person's high school years? Mm-hmm. Well, let me
0: ask you this, too.
3: Do you get your rights back
0: when you get out of jail? You should. So if someone's committed a felony, you know, they get their voting rights back, or I, as in some places they don't get their voting rights back, and uh, they don't get their gun rights back. Well, wait a minute. You just you just said they served their time. You, you're releasing them back onto the street. You're saying that they're safe to, to come back on the street. Well, how you. You can't right. let people,
2: you you can't let people back right to come
3: back, but you don't want their gun rights to come back.
0: Well, exactly. That's a problem. You
3: want to be the vote of Democrats, right?
0: <laughs> well, that's what a lot, of, a lot of folks in prison do. That. That's one of the arguments in Florida. But here's the thing. My contention is that if someone is out of jail and they're paroled and they've served their time, then you have to give them all the rights back, including their gun rights. Otherwise, if they're still a violent person, if they're like light- how you do this, you're likely to commit harm, don't then uh, the next, but why do you assume that somebody who's committed a violent crime, say bank robbery okay, so you rob a bank, rob a bank and, you, and you do it with a gun all right? so, so for the rest of, your, rest of your life you lose your gun rights, but you might get your voting rights back, why would you assume that somebody at, at 18 who robs a bank is still going to be a violent person at 54 and not able to own guns that doesn't make any sense so what is the purpose of background rights back, or you should get your rights back after you serve your time, so the only people who really can't own guns are those that are in jail or parole,
3: right? That's right. Instead so why do you need a background check? These kids, instead of these teaching these kids about uh, doing away with weapons, they should teach these kids about the foundation of the country and the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And also stories about like the Waco uprising, not the Waco, the Warsaw uprising, the Warsaw Ghetto uprising.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and I, there are things that I didn't know about it that I discovered this morning from this Britannic article. Although what they say about Waco, because I do know a lot about Waco, uh, is pretty horrendous. But I think the parallels are exact. I think what the Nazis did in the Warsaw Ghetto, they ultimately end up killing the Jews there or sending them off to a death camp. Is exactly the same as what Bill Clinton did and Janet Reno did, uh, the FBI ATF, those Nazis, and I'll say it, uh, did to the Branch Davidi. There was a no due protest. They didn't. They didn't back off and, and wait for them to come out and get ar- and get arrested. What was the rush? Why did they have to end it, April nineteenth, Patriots Day? I you know see so the left is big on symbolism. I think that was the point. What's the difference between what the British did, attacking? our colonies where we had to defend ourselves April 19th 1775 on the Lexington Battle and what Clinton did to the Indians attacking them and killing all them on April 19th April 19th is a very interesting day in history yeah, I keep... you can think about it well, yeah, I, I got more you here Big part. We don't have any guests today. Everybody's everybody's bailed on me.
2: <laughs> well, nice
3: oh, you you ain't paying them right. You're giving a smoke break. I I don't pay anybody yet. I could.
0: <laughs> I'm working on it. Hey, listen. If I get a benefactor, you know, if, I've I've tried to you know email Elon Musk and say, look, dude, you know, you gave 44 billion to buy Twitter. I could have saved you 43.8 of it <laughs> if you'd simply marketed our vaccine product liability bill. I've sent him that email several times, but the minions just don't let it get through. But if Elon Musk gave her back to Action Radio, I would pay all my folks here. All right. I'll talk about this um, Waco siege, Britannica. Then we'll take another break, and then uh, Joss online, I'll bring him back in a little bit. But here's what they say about Waco. They call it the Waco siege, a 51-day standoff between Branch Davidians and federal agents that ended on April 19th, 1993, when the religious group's compound near Waco, Texas, was destroyed in a fire. Nearly 80 people were killed. The compound was destroyed in a fire, why? Right? Because the government started the fire. They sent in poison gas. that was, you know, They opened the building up for the wind would go through, and they fired pyrotechnic devices, which uh, started the fire. But they don't say that in Britannica. So in other words, that what, the, what seemed a very reasonable article on the Warsaw Ghetto, and what the Nazis did, who are not favored by the British, (laughs) completely becomes a propaganda piece when it comes to the Branch Davidians, uh, where our federal government, you know, stormtroopers do seem to be favored by Britannic. I'm not sure why. Let me read the article. If I break up, let me know. The Branch Davidians, by Ben Roden in 1959, as an offshoot of the Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Church, like I said earlier which had been established by Victor Hutef several decades earlier. Houteff, that's H-O-U-T-E-F-F, uh, his group eventually moved to a farm some 10 miles east of Waco, Texas. But by 1962, Roden and his followers had taken possession of the settlement, which was known as Mount Carmel. That's C-A-R-M-E-L. There, the Branch Davidians lived a life, preparing for the imminent return of Jesus. America, no problem. However, in the mid-1980s, the group became embroiled in a power struggle, and by the end of the decade, Vernon Howell, later called David Koresh, had become head of the Mount Carmel community. At least they call it a community. He soon began taking spiritual wives, several of whom were reportedly as young as 11. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, thats I think that's one of those false accusations, but we'll see. Allegations of child abuse and Koresh's launch of a retail gun business took the attention of legal authorities. Well, in fact, the local authorities, because they never did anything about them. Anyway, it says believing that the group was illegally stockpiling weapons, the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms—this is where Texas should have stepped in, right? Uh, obtained both an arrest warrant for Koresh and a search warrant for the compound. On February 28, 1993, more than 70 ATF agents raided the complex. See, this is the problem. Why would you? Why would you send it? Did they call in advance? Did they make point? Did they say, "David, have a search warrant. We want to talk." To did it give them a chance to voluntarily kill Did they do anything that they would do for almost anybody else? No. They sent in 70 ATF agents shooting. What would you do? Shoot back? Why not? If you think they're trying to kill you, what would you do? Especially if you've been tipped off the day ahead of time. This is gunfire erupted, uh, though it is uncertain who fired first. <laughs> yeah, Shot heard around the world. Uh, and during the two-hour battle, four federal agents were killed and more than a dozen injured. In addition, six civilians died. Yeah, nearly 900 law enforcement officers subsequently descended on the compound, including FBI hostage negotiators. Get some negotiations, right? During phone calls, Koresh engaged in Bible babble and threatened violence. And though he stated, "Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get away from this because I don't believe any of what they're saying here. Let me see if we can get some more stats. At approximately 6 p.m. on April 9, 6 a.m. Excuse me, 6 a.m. on April 19th, 1993, 30 years ago today the FBI began spraying tear gas complex CS gas, which is more than just Then it says, soon after the Branch Davidians began firing weapons, for more than five hours, armored vehicles, uh, some of which uh, punched holes into the walls, deposited 400 tear gas canisters inside the compound. Those those armed vehicle, vehicles were actually tanks. So this article is wrong. The Branch Davidians, okay, this says, some of which punched holes into the walls. Yes, they did. Deposited four, Hundred tear gas canisters inside the compound, 400. Think about it, 400 tear gas canisters, all right? Well, that's an insane amount, especially a, a military aid, uh, gas like CS gas, which it was. Is, and then it says 1140, uh, and it's, kind of, it's 1140 a.m., the assault ended. Some 25 minutes later, the Branch Davidians set several fires. That's not true. And at 12:25, gunfire was heard inside the compound. Due to safety concerns, firefighters were not allowed into the area for another 15 minutes. In other words, the ATF FBI blocked the fire department from putting out the fire. Okay, that's what really happened. This is uh, due to safety concerns. This is a BS article. This is while nine people managed to escape, the rest died. Investigators ultimately found 75 bodies, 25 of which belonged to children. Was well, not special. A number of the deceased had been fatally shot, including Koresh, while some of the wounds appeared to be self-inflicted. Others did not. Yeah, I don't believe that for a second. It says the government's handling of the situation, situation, through sharp criticism, and that would be Janet Reno, later regret for authorizing the raid. Oh, yeah, right. While the government long maintained that it was not involved in starting this or spreading the fire, (laughs) which, of course, they were. Uh, In 1999, it was revealed that some of the tear gas used by the FBI was flammable. Oh, big surprise. Later that year, Reno appointed John Danforth, a lawyer and former Republican senator, to investigate the raid. So Janet Reno appointed the person to investigate Janet Reno. Anybody see a problem with that? Uh, then it says his pro included in 2000 found that the- did not cause the fire. Well, big surprise. Nor did it shoot at the compound. Well, I don't believe that. Regardless of such findings, some people viewed the Waco siege as governmental abuse of authority. No, I view it as mass murder, and it spurred the growth of militias. In 1995, on the second anniversary of the raid, Timothy McVeigh carried out the Oklahoma City bombing, which killed 168 people. That's another thing that happened on uh, April. Uh, we'll get to that one next. Um, Piankey. What do you think of the Waco? Do we, Anything we should cover on Waco?
3: Well, Dan uh, Ashcroft Port. bring you some chills feel to your body. Hmm.
2: Definitely mm-hmm.
3: Ashcroft.
0: No, Ashcroft wasn't there. Governor Attorney General Ashcroft was it was it was later. But he this comes is Danforth. Senator Danforth. Beg your pardon. Ashcroft comes from Missouri. But I don't remember him being involved in, in gave
3: game. Uh, one... uh tutored the uh, Clayton Thomas.
0: Danforth did? Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Josh, uh, any comments about Waco that we should uh, cover before I move on to Oklahoma City? Yeah.
1: No, that was uh, clearly messed up and... Uh... I she don't know be, if you can sue somebody from beyond the grave, but uh, we should definitely
0: hold people
1: that are still alive uh, today accountable because, yeah, well, that would they're be, not that old.
0: That would be Eric Hopper and Merrick Garland, who are number three under Janet Reno during the massacre at Waco. Uh,
1: so – yes. Okay, I'm not going to say anything else. Yes, right. that.
0: So let's see what Britannica says about uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. Now, I've, I, I can tell you what the – I've actually read articles what the New American says about it, and it's a totally different thing. But let's, just, let's take apart this, because this is what people are reading. Uh, Oklahoma City bombing, terrorist attack on the city on April 1995, two years after the massacre at Waco. That's my comment. It says, in which a massive homemade bomb composed of more than two tons of ammonium nitrate fertilizer and fuel oil concealed in a the famous rider truck, exploded, heavily damaging the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building. A total of 168 people were killed, including 19 children, and more than 500 were injured. The building was later razed, uh, and a park was built on the site. The bombing remained the terrorist the, uh, the attack on the U.S. the attack on the World Trade Center in New York City and the Pentagon outside Washington, D.C. in 2001. And those were September 11th, so it's not an April thing. This is a low at first suspicion that wrongly focused on Middle Eastern attention quickly centered on Timothy McVeigh, who had been arrested shortly after the explosion for a traffic violation, and his friend uh, Terry Nichols. Both were former U.S. Army soldiers and were associated with the extreme right wing and the, milit- and the militant patriot movement. Let's stop right there. Okay. Does anybody know that Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols were veterans? You know, they sort of hold the Constitution. So why would veterans blow up the Afro P. Murrah building two years after the government massacre at Waco? Any thoughts? I'm not excusing it. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to understand it. What was their goal? Has anybody ever looked into the motivations? Has anybody discussed the writings? I'm going to do this in a subsequent... Again, I'm not defending them because it was wrong to do. But it's no, the didn't, government
1: didn't government he... blew the building. Did't
0: he didn't he say his motivations are from a book don't know which book i
1: I don't know the book i'm just
0: i think you're confusing with the Aryan nation to be... the Aryan nation books uh whatever that book is i know the one the yeah, I, know.
1: I don't know it either yeah i don't know
0: okay all right. but uh, all right so uh, let isn't me that what he said
1: was... what he was doing
0: mm. I'm not sure. So I say I got to refresh my memory on that. I wasn't planning to cover this. I just wanted to sort of delve into it a little bit. But why would why would army? Here's a story too. I remember hearing a story about Timothy McVeigh. Apparently he was a medic and he saved a ton of soldiers. I mean, he, well not a ton, but he did some pretty heroic things in combat to save soldiers' lives. So when they talk about the right wing, the extreme right wing, of course the extreme right wing is anarchy. The left wing is. T- and then it talks about militant patriot movement. The patriot movement is is America first. Is the Constitution is our founding documents. So what they're really so I mean obviously it was the wrong thing to, to uh, you know explode an ammonium nitrate bomb you know in the Alfred P building. But what they were protesting was the fact that the government massacred people two years earlier, and that's not talked about. They're just talked about as terrorists and trying to demonize the patriot movement. Well, what's wrong with the patriot movement? being patriots, who want the government in compliance with the Constitution. So the real terrorists are actually the ones in government. You know, the ter- the, the folks in the army. you talk to anybody who's a veteran, and the first thing they will tell you is, I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution for the rest of my life. It's not a one-time oath. They don't suddenly abandon their oath when they leave uh, the armed forces. And I talked to a lot of veterans. In this area in Florida, we have tons of veterans. So it would make sense that these two would want to protest what happened in Waco. But what they did was horrible. They did it completely the wrong way. But here's the, here's the other question. The, the New American article talks about this, that the explosion at the Murray building could not have been done by an ammonium nitrate bomb. Explosions from a truck go out. And if you look at a picture of the explosion of the bomb, it looks more like a demolition charge because a lot of the building was brought straight down. And a lot of engineers and the general talked about this. They said that that bomb uh, from the from Timothy McVeigh could have blown up the building the way it was blown up. So now the plot gets more interesting. Now we get the stuff. You know, where's the wreckage in the Pentagon from the airplane? You know, uh, why did the towers come down when they're you know when they're hit at the top? Why would an airliner make a steel reinforced building collapse? So there's a lot of questions on the, on the, the whole Timothy McVeigh thing. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Anyway, uh, Nichols got life in prison. Timothy McVeigh was... Hmm. But what was really interesting is that they... uh, Let me see what... This is the part that... uh, This is the scariest part of this article. It says, although McVeigh and Nichols were not directly connected with any major political group... (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? You <laughs> just said there were right wing militia. <laughs> this is right here. Although McVeigh and Nichols were not directly connected with any major political group, they held views characteristic of the broad patriot movement, which feared a- plots by the US federal government and corporate elites. Well, I think uh, COVID kind of proved us right, didn't it? You know, yeah, COVID killed the government killed a million people, Covid killed about six thousand. fascinating. But what is this broad patriot and movement what's what, what?
1: New York, New, New York killed like eight, like 18,000. Uh, Detroit killed like 6,000. Chicago well, killed, who knows?
0: The government policy and the hospital policy is what killed all the I'm just saying. The big actual
1: numbers, numbers, people. Big numbers.
0: All, right, all right. So here's, all right. Let me show you the COVID math. So the COVID math is pretty simple. All right. The, uh, the people that died from COVID is only about 6% of those who died with COVID. And that comes from the CDC. So 6% of a million, 60,000. All our friends who are doctors, uh, Dr. Zelenko, um, a lot of folks have said that they could have saved about 90% uh, from COVID with early treatment. Well, 90% of 60,000 is uh, uh, would leave you 6,000. So only about 6,000 people had to die or would have died from COVID if proper free uh, knowledge, information, early treatments were in place. COVID killed about 6,000. The government killed about a million. And they're killing more now with the vaccine. So tell me who the terrorists are. There's nothing more of a I have There's nothing, nothing more kind of
1: a... to say to that.
0: Okay. Well, you don't have to say something kind. But I just find it fascinating that um the Encyclopedia Britannica which is supposed to you know, be neutral and actually present the information, like they seem to do pretty well with the article on the Warsaw Ghetto, but completely lost it when they talk about uh, Murrah, um, Timothy McVeigh, and when they talk about Waco. So authoritarian plots by the U.S. federal government, the U.S. federal government authoritarian. I think we proved that with what they're – they proved that with their actions. So it says, at most extreme, the Patriot movement denied the The legitimacy of the federal government and law enforcement. Well, there was nothing that was legitimately done at Waco. Then it says one manifestation of the righteous upsurge, the formation of armed militia groups, which, according to some sources, claimed a national membership of almost 30,000. Oh, boy, that's big. By the mid-1990s, the militias justified their existence by claiming a right to armed self-defense against an allegedly oppressive government. We do have a right of self-defense against an oppressive government. So that's true. So in other words, the Patriots are right. The militias are right. This article is wrong. Then it says, in this context, the date of the Oklahoma City attack was doubly significant on two notable anniversaries. It marked both Patriots Day, the anniversary of the American rebellion against British authority. (laughs) That's misnamed, too. And the date on which federal agents brought the Waco siege to a nation by raiding the compound. They didn't raid the compound. They killed everybody. Anyway, I've had enough of this. But that's that's basically the point. Um so any any comments on the the uh, the, on the City attack and subsequent mischaracterization.
1: Yeah, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was just gonna say that uh yeah, there are uh, unforgivable things and uh people should be held accountable, especially if they're still alive today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do what you will with that information.
2: OK,
0: um, Piaki, do you have a comment before I take a break?
3: Yes, you ought to take a break.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Let me let me scroll up top here uh, and see what I've got. Uh, I figured out a way to go, you know, from the, the ground up and the top down on my, my commercials here, so we'll be right back. And here we go. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force: Your source for pure Energy. you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's strikeforceenergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. You know, folks are always asking, you know, how can I help Action Radio? How can I support you? This is one way. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. to the answers no one has thought to consider to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Dedicated to fixing everything. Okay, we're back. I've got uh, Pianchi and I've got uh, Josh on the line. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it because otherwise I would have had to talk for three hours by myself, something I was really not looking forward to. I'm surprised we haven't heard from Marco. Marco's in the Netherlands. He's uh, online unless he got busy with a, a meeting or something like that. So he listens to us you know, in the afternoons uh, somewhere in the Netherlands. We'll have to find out where exactly. But uh, we're international. And so uh, we have a lot of listeners in different countries, and I'm, I'm curious. Uh, in fact, I looked up an article on Vietnam today because Vietnam has been listening to us. Uh, Mark says I'm here. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Mark, if you have any views on any of that anything we're talking about for April 19th, please feel free. Uh, i be curious to to get the, the European perspective. Um, but um, I forgot where I was going with this. Anyway, but it's just it's a, it's an interesting um, day here. Uh, this april 19th and uh for me it personally it's it's uh, april and october are the months when things happen so nothing's happened to me significantly this month yet but uh, there's still some months to go but generally april and october is when uh, oh his, his his hometown is romond r o e r m o n d uh, he works in Weert, W-E-E-R-T. I probably mispronounced those. Romert is a town with a rich history. Uh, we've been through some, uh, some battles. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, let's hear about it. You know, as much as you want to talk about, it, I know Europeans don't want to talk about World War II all day, every day, but um, that's where it happened. So, you know, in Japan. So we need to, we need a Japanese correspondent uh, as well on the show. Anyway, I want to get away from the articles. I've had enough reading, um, but I want to talk about something that happened yesterday that is staggeringly dangerous for this country. And that being the, uh, the fact that Fox News completely caved and wimped out and paid uh, Dominion, um, the company that stole our election with uh, election machines, um, $787 million. You know, that's on the way to a billion dollars. They only have $4 billion in assets. So they paid almost one quarter of their entire assets. Also, they wouldn't have to admit what they already know, that the election was stolen. This, to me, is a tragedy of monumental proportions. Because, first of all, the idea that Dominion could even bring the lawsuit, the company that stole the election with their machines, is bad enough. The fact that Fox a, a, uh, um, a news agency protected by the First Amendment caved to them and didn't say, hell yeah, we think you stole the election. That's not uh, that's not slander. That's not liable. Go ahead. Sue so us so for defamation. Now we can prove that you stole the election. That's what they should have done because there's enough evidence out there to do it. Trump would have helped them. You know, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson would have helped him. He knows the election was stolen. Every, everybody, Maria Bartromo, she knows. I mean, they all know it was stolen. Sean Hannity knows whether they say it or not. Because it's impossible to believe that Joe Biden could have beat uh, Donald Trump in a fair election. I mean, anybody, anybody with a brain knows that that the election was stolen. So what's Fox's problem?
3: Yeah, I problem. Don't, Go ahead. I don't Go ahead, understand Bianca. them caving in like that. Also, yeah, it doesn't. It, it just doesn't make any sense. So I guess that when 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 black folks say that uh, whites owe them reparations, they should be allowed to be sued too, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, there's another study. thing, um, you know, why can't we sue uh, Pfizer?
0: You know, for, well, I yeah. think actually the, F, the FTC should sue Pfizer, you know, when they said that their uh, their vaccines were safe and effective. Well, they're not vaccines, and they're they're dangerous and deadly. <laughs> so, you, you know, you want to talk about a mischaracterization. Um, but that's a little different. There was, some, there was another example that someone provided. Uh, it's in, it's one, one of my articles somewhere. I'll, I'll find it. But there there are other things. But let's just deal with this one. And I'm going to ask Jonathan about this Monday because this is, this is his ballpark, is how is it that Fox News, Rupert Birdnock, as liberal as he is, first of all, he's Australian, so he's, he doesn't have the American tradition of freedom and independence, but how dare they? Now, let me quote, uh, quote Greta Thunberg. How dare they wimp out and let down the entire First Amendment, the American media? They've let down everybody caving into a company? you know, which they reported on. And that company we know stole the election. Their machines are designed to steal elections. That's why they make them. You know, and I think they're from Venezuela or Canada. I'm not sure where Dominion is headquartered. But Dominion, why is it that, a, that a, 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 a company that makes machines that the government uses to count our votes in our sacred elections everybody talks about, especially the left? <gasps> our elections are sacred. You can't interfere with the vote. That's voter suppression. Well, there's nothing more, more voter suppressing than stealing the election itself. So why can't we say that?
2: Yeah,
3: they allow to sue, and then they still allow to sell you more machines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So let's see if they're safe and effective. <laughs> well, I think they're effective, but not for what they're intended for. But Dominion is a company that makes fraudulent voting machines with Internet modems that are designed to steal elections. Well, why can't I say that? I just did say that. Oh, Dominion, if you want to come after me, spell my name right, P-E-N-G-L-I-S. I'm right here. Call me up 2153833. That's
3: why I come. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, no machine should be. Well, I don't know why they go back to paper ballots on federal elections.
2: We have State's a bill to do, do that.
3: If
0: they want to. Well, you know Diane, who's on the show, she's busy these days. But uh, Diane Warner, who does our election integrity report, you know, she wrote a bill. She says it's our bill, but it's really her bill because she wrote most of it. But uh, her bill, election integrity, which uh we've given to our state legislators, who did not put it into this session like they should have. Um, called for all paper ballots, the elimination of all voting machines, hand counted on the premises, you know, before they send no transportation, videotaped counting by three counters who are bonded. And then my addition was that all voter registrations expire midnight, December 31st. And the point of that is so that the voter rolls are
2: clean
0: every year. So if you combine new voter registrations every year, just like your car, if you can do it for your car, you can do it for your vote, right? So so new voter registrations every year, only paper ballots, no machines, all paper ballots hand counted on the premises at the precinct, with a thousand, you know, folks limited per precinct, with videotape counting, with three counters who are bonded, that would make for a secure election. Josh, your line is live too. Feel free. Anyway, that's what I'm talking about. So, given that, given that the machines we know are corrupt, given that we know they're hacked, given that there's, there's multiple video recordings of them being hacked. Oh, we've got a website for uh, rumored. Uh, uh, let, let, me, let me copy it. I'll look it up later. I, I want to I get this done. But given the fact that, see, the thing is, the, the, the best defense against defamation is the truth. So, all Fox News, this was the perfect opportunity for Fox News to say, hey, you know what? You're right. Yeah, you're going to sue us for defamation? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. You stole the election. <laughs> why don't they do that? That was the time to do it. Just like during, uh, remember Marjorie Taylor Greene's trial? And the, his, her lawyers had her say, I don't remember. I don't remember saying the election was stolen. We know damn well she knows the election was stolen. We, don't, we know damn well she said it multiple times. What her lawyer should have done has said, yes, she said the election is stolen. And here's why. And presented all the evidence why the election was stolen. See so these people, they keep missing these opportunities. And I don't know if Fox was paid off. You know, I mean, why why would you give up seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars when the truth is already known? I mean, they had the whole Arizona audit proving that the election was stolen. There are multiple hearings around the country, with the Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani did proving that the election was stolen. There are multiple videos of ballots coming out from under desks. Uh, Two thousand mules. Dinesh D'Souza's film multiple ballot boxes being stuffed illegally. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows that the count was shut well, down that, when uh, Trump was winning <laughs> and uh, by the next morning Brandon had, had, was winning in those same precincts. But nobody knew what happened because everything was blocked out. Everybody knows the election was stolen,
3: especially the Democrats. They Murdoch it. had something to do with uh, giving up? Well,
0: oh, I know Rupert Murdoch has something to do with giving up. But here's the thing. I can't find a single article on my perspective. I couldn't find a single article that said Fox News um, screwed up that they could have proved the election, you know, was stolen. I'm waiting for Trump's comment. I look for I can't find a Trump comment yet. Maybe it's going to come out today. You but know that people telling.
1: were. Uh, go ahead, Josh. You know that people were arrested and like they're going to prison for uh, fraud when it came to elections in uh, several states. Yeah.
0: Well, that's good. They're supposed to go for prison for fraud, but not enough.
1: Yes. I know, I know. But I'm just saying that that's kind of that's kind of a thing when it comes to the twenty twenty election. Is uh people are being
0: arrested and imprisoned well, for fraud the, uh, in that election. Where's the Republican um election hearings on the twenty twenty election? How come the Geldings haven't held the hearing by now? Well, why, why do you
1: think Republicans are going to do anything about malfeasance
0: oh I don't in think any
1: election ever
0: that's why uh, that's why I call him Kevin Mcdeep state you know the the speaker I don't have any faith in McCarthy I don't have any faith in Republicans that's why I call them the gelding old party but I'm saying that that's if they were a real party if they're real opposition, they would have held hearings day one of the session they would have had a new January 6th committee a real one that actually looked into what really happened, about the coup that took place under the Capitol, about the arm-twisting that went on, about whatever bribery and extortion was done so that the Brandon electors would be appointed, of the real story of Mike Pence, how he refused to to honor the Trump electors and only took the Brandon electors, causing Joe, Joe Biden to illegally be able to occupy the White House. Those are the things that they should have, you know, talked about day one. Where's Jim Jordan? My own Congressman Mac Gates, where's he on this? I haven't heard him. Yeah, you're
1: you're kinda of saying the same thing I'm saying is uh party affiliates are not actually uh for mm-hmm. the American people.
0: Yeah. Well let's get back to the journalists or so called journalists. What does this mean now that Fox News, rather than say the election was stolen and that what they reported was true, have instead decided to say that uh, the election wasn't stolen, even though some of their reporters believe it and have reported it, and that they're going to pay seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars, you know, on a defamation suit for something that they were right in all along. I don't understand that. So no, why would anybody a be a Why would anybody report anything against the government if your company is going to bail on you? And, and pay the people you're reporting on for stealing the election or anything else. What if Pfizer starts suing people for defamation, for reporting that their, their so-called vaccines, which are not vaccines, uh, are not only not safe and not effective, they're, they're dangerous, crippling, and deadly, which we know to be true. Is Pfizer going to start suing people now for what they reported? Come after me, you're not going to get much, and I'll get more. I'll get more publicity. Come at, in, fact, I hope they do come after me. I'll get more publicity from the lawsuit. I'll get more listeners and do better if they do sue me. Quite honestly, because it'll break the uh, the censorship that's blocking a lot of our shows from people. <laughs> so go ahead, come after me. I don't care. FBI, too. You want to? Uh, oh, there. uh wrote BRB. I'm not sure what that means. it has got to be code for something. But this is a horrible precedent. you guys ever seen Mr. Smith go to Washington? Josh? have you ever seen that?
1: No, I Guess was just not. thinking about that uh my dinner with Andre
0: and that's relevant. how I'm
1: sorry no you yeah i I was just thinking about that right now. okay,
0: I, let I, me give I, you another film. I, I, have you ever seen all the president's men uh the story of uh Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, how they discovered what was happening with the Watergate scandal. Have you seen any good film about journalists? How about Erin Brockovich?
1: Yeah, I've seen Erin Brockovich.
0: Okay. Now, she wasn't a journalist. She was paralegal, but she uncovered horrible situations. I think it was Love Canal and, and some of the hazardous waste sites. i have to go back and take a look. She's still around, by the way. I'm going to try and get her on the show again. I wrote it before when she uh, was in East Palestine. There's another one, East Palestine. You know, there's another thing. What if we say that, uh, uh, what is it, Uh, Norfolk Southern um, intentionally screwed up their maintenance or cut corners on maintenance and and, uh, helped cause that accident? Is that defamation? Let me look up defamation. It seems to me that this lawsuit should have been thrown out. The idea... And this is what's so galling to me, that the company that stole the election somehow was able to sue the media was going to report on it, and the media the ones who caved. That makes sense to me.
1: From my understanding that uh, you need to come, <clears throat> when it comes to a claim, it has to come from good faith. And if you're not coming from good faith, then everything should be thrown out at, at all times. Yeah, you're actually kind of on point there. Yeah, this is not coming from good faith. This is a vindictive point that they're trying to play.
0: Where's the First Amendment, too? Where's the judge defending the First Amendment? Saying that Fox has a, the right to not only say what they want and report what they want, they also have the right to be wrong. And if they're wrong, Dominion can uh, you know, go to other news agencies or they can actually write their own stories. They can say, hey, you're wrong, and here's why. But they didn't do that. They sued them for $1.5 or $1.6 billion. That's a lot of money. Apparently, Dominion has sued a bunch of people. All right, so so what do you think is really going on here? Let me ask you that. Then i got a Breitbart article on this. What do you think is really going on? Come on, conspiracy well, theorists. What do you think is really going on there? Yeah, come on, conspiracy theorists! I need, I need, I need to <laughs> you put your your tinfoil hats on and tell me what's really going on I know.
1: I'm here. trying to. I'm trying to do arm circles when I say this. All right. So, what I really think is going on with that is
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: somebody somewhere. There's got to be some kind of connection between the two.
0: Which to the two of what?
1: Uh, Dominion and Fox News. There's got to be somebody. Who is the intermediary? Like, there's hmm. got to be some higher up.
0: I had not there's thought There's got to be some higher up. That's an interesting, that's a, that's a good point. Let me look that up. So Dominion, Fox News Connection. I don't think that's, that, that wasn't the problem I was thinking of, but that's certainly a valid point. Dominion, Fox no, News Connection.
1: I no, think, I, think, I, think I think that's the only justification how they would possibly settle instead of let the suit go through and hmm. let Dominion lose.
0: All right, well, let me ask you a question. Who controls Fox News? Government agency. Yeah. Which which government agency with controls Fox all? News? What's that?
1: Uh, CIA, FBI, I don't, I don't know. No, I don't the know FCC.
0: No, no, the Federal Communications Commission. Oh. The Federal oh, Communications Commission. All those people that license... tell
1: me that I can't say curse words.
0: Well, okay. Well, the Federal Communications Commission. Yeah, exactly. So don't swear. I'm... Well, actually, we're not regulated by the FCC. This show is not licensed by the FCC. Because we're online. We're You're internet. telling we're... me I
1: can say all the bad words I want?
0: No, because I'll just hang sure. up on you and not take your call again. So no, you can't. Oh, that's my oh, role. All my feelings. <laughs> well, I don't care. <laughs> this is the last. That's the least of my concerns. Um, but the point is that the FCC is controlled by the coup. Right? So if the okay. FCC licenses Fox News and the FCC is controlled by an illegal <laughs> government... Do you think the illegal government's gonna let uh, Fox News say that the election was stolen? Greg, no. you're starting
1: to ask a lot of questions. You're starting to ask a lot of questions right now.
0: Well that's what no, I do. No,
1: that's a, that's actually a fair assessment. No, that's a fair question.
0: Okay, so you want you wanna say I can mute you for a bit, you can think about it. You wanna no, think about it for I, a
1: minute? I, <clears throat> if that's what you're willing to. Yeah,
0: sure. Yeah, let me let me let me just hold you up for a bit. I'll give you a chance to, to ponder that. I wanna get to Piancaki. Pianki, the FCC is controlled by the Brandon Insurrection. The Brandon Insurrection stole the 2020 election. The 2020 election was stolen with Dominion voting machines. Dominion sells their voting machines to the government that stole the election.
3: Yeah, like a vicious circle, sound
0: like. How about that? How about that? So here's what I think is going on. I think Dominion, because they sell fraudulent voting machines that allow elections to be stolen, they are being protected by the government. That's how they can bring these suits. I think the judges are somehow being either influenced or chosen or co-opted or threatened that they better make sure that, uh, that Dominion wins the lawsuits. So that the illegal government of the Brandon insurrection, the Obama, Hillary Clinton, you know, whoever else is involved, um, plus the Republicans. So you got the, the deep state. So the deep state is protecting Dominion machines. So they have access to Dominion machines to steal more elections. If it becomes known that the election was stolen, which, of course, it was, if it becomes widely known in this lawsuit. See, what they cannot afford is to have Fox News prove that the election was stolen. But that's the only defense against a defamation suit. The truth is your defense. So the defense against the defamation by Dominion, who brought this lawsuit, is to say, yes, we were right. The election was stolen, and we can prove it. And that way, Fox News should get the $1.6 billion in a countersuit. That's the defense. But they didn't use the defense. Instead, they said, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the election wasn't stolen. Oh, I'm sorry for what our reporters said. They actually speculated, you know, that, that maybe that was the case. We'll pay you. Yeah, you're right. Why would Fox News do that if they weren't under, under the control of the same government that is regulating Fox News and protecting Dominion machines so they can continue to steal elections? That's what's going on.
3: Piaki? It seemed like you put the pieces together.
0: Yeah, I know. Isn't it is fun? I love when I, when I do that. Let me uh, bring uh, Josh back for a second, see if he's had a chance to think about that. Josh, th- does my scenario make sense?
1: Yeah. No, no, that, that's, a, that's a fair assessment.
0: Okay. Let me get you this article. That actually
1: Party. makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm.
0: But look how dangerous that is. Now, who else is talking about that on the news? Nobody. Only here at Action Radio is that scenario being put forward. Let me, see, let me see what Breitbart, which is a conservative, patriotic news source modeled on Andrew Breitbart, who I believe was killed by the government. They say Fox News' Dominion reached $787 million settlement in defamation lawsuit. Here's what I don't understand. That are, I'm going to talk to Jonathan about this Monday. Give him a chance to think about it. They picked the jury. They were all set for opening arguments. Then all of a sudden... They delayed the trial for two and a half hours negotiating. My question is, why? If they'd already picked the jury, unless the jury was a total fraud, uh, and they were definitely against uh, Fox News, why would they go to all the trouble of getting the lawyers together, of picking a jury, of having their opening statements ready to go, ready to try the case, and all of a sudden they go into two and a half hours of negotiations, and Fox News pays almost a billion dollars that happened
1: have you embraced the possibility that that was pre-negotiated
0: before the trial no it have not
3: going on fox uh-huh. news must have made about two billion off of their reporting or more but the, you know i always have suspected something there's a third page to all this that uh we haven't investigated as well mm-hmm. as it should be
2: mm-hmm.
0: I agree. But uh, Josh makes an interesting point too that this might have been arranged even before the trial even started. That's even worse. And you call me a conspiracy theorist? Wow, that's a good one. That's definitely ten foil Why did they just
3: do it in an arbitration? So,
0: why did they go to tri- exactly? Why did they go to trial at all? Josh, do you know anything about this or are you just speculating? I mean, it's a good point. It's worth investigating.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I think that uh, when it comes to these big conglomerates, uh, people that are throwing this kind of cash around, and people that have these kind of uh, pay scales, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I, I think there might have been a conversation way before, and this might have been negotiated before it ever hmm. was in the public eye.
3: Absolutely, yes, it, the, absolutely, that and the, the the whole. The whole theory about the election being stolen has never is still not settled. They didn't mm-hmm. say that we give up. They just went to arbitration. Well, they just mm-hmm. went to a settlement. They said, "Well, we want uh, if you all prepared for opening arguments, you are prepared and have chosen a jury. Well, why come the trial didn't go on? That's what so I Something know. else is going to
0: be. exactly. This is going to take some serious investigation. Well, so let's see. Let's see if the the, the so-called journalists in in uh, D.C. can come up with something. But how did Dominion have enough money to bring a, a suit against Fox News? How much money do they have to uh, to go after these? You know, they got seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars more now. But how much money does Dominion have to bring these lawsuits? And where do they get their money?
1: I would like to. Well, yeah. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. to repeat myself because the sound of my own voice is so interesting to me. No, these are these are these are people that are billion-dollar people. Like they, mm-hmm. they mess with this money all the time. This is not news.
0: But where do they get the their money? That own Dominion, is it all the government contracts to Dominion? They have that much money, or are they being protected by government? A, which is my suspicion.
1: How much money was Jeffrey Epstein worth?
0: Okay, a different issue.
1: I'm just saying that's important to understand that there are people that you have no idea how much money they're worth. You don't know how they got their money. You don't know where they threw their money. Yeah, so I, I acknowledge the possibility that are that there are a bunch of people throwing money into nonsense.
0: And yeah, i gotta, I gotta, gotta investigate the million more. I want to find out where they got their money. All right, so let me hold both of you up just for a bit here. Let me get this article by Breitbart. Fox News Dominion reached seven hundred and eighty-seven million all right, I got some background. Let me just mute a little bit here just so I can get through with the background noise. Um let's see what we got here now. Dominion Fox News Dominion reached seven hundred and eighty seven million dollar settlement in defamation lawsuit. This was written yesterday. Jordan Dixon Hamilton. No idea who that is. Fox News has agreed to pay Dominion Voting Systems a $787 million settlement, avoiding a trial in the $1.6 billion defamation case. I guess the $787 million is like about half or a little over half. Who knows math? Anyway, defamation case. The electronic voting company bought brought against the cable news company. I'm getting background noise on Piazzi's line, too. Let me uh, just mute you both until I get through this. Dominion brought a $1.6 billion lawsuit against Fox News and parent company, Fox Corporation, in March 2021. So they did this two years ago. That's interesting. For defamation, accusing the news outlet of harming its reputation by airing former president, or I would say current president, Donald Trump and his attorneys' claims that Dominion voting machines were used to rig the 2020 election. Let me say for the record, Dominion's voting machines were used to rig the 2020 election. Back to the article. Fox News has argued that Trump and his attorneys' claims were newsworthy and protected by the First Amendment's right of freedom of the press. Actually, they were. Fox News can report that Trump said the election was stolen. You can't sue them for that. That's freedom of the press. However, it says Dominion accused Fox News and its executives of airing such claims to save their falling ratings after the 2020 election. That's okay too. They can do that. You know, if we question the motivations of of why CNN, you know, carried the, the Russia story for two years, that'd be interesting. I mean, I guess Trump could sue them for defamation, too. Then it says the party settled on the first day of the trial, which was scheduled to start Tuesday after a 24 hour delay. After Delaware, of course, Delaware, you know, Biden's state, Delaware Superior Court Judge Eric Davies, Davis swore in the 12 jurors and alternates on Tuesday morning. Court proceedings were delayed for nearly two and a half hours as attorneys for both sides engaged in last minute negotiations. Why would you, you're supposed to negotiate before the trial. You're supposed to negotiate right as the trial is about to begin after you pick the jury. Unless the jury was was a total fraud, which is, might be the case in Delaware. It'd be like trying to get a jury for Trump in Manhattan. Article says the trial was set to start at 1.30 p.m., but Davis took the bench shortly before 4 p.m. and announced the parties had settled. Oh, in two and a half hours? That's pretty quick. (laughs) That in itself deserves investigation. Then it says the case has been resolved, and it's been resolved because of you, Davis told the jurors. Wait a minute. How did the jurors resolve this? Then it says... The judge said, your presence here was extremely important. And without you, the parties would not have been able to resolve their situation. Okay, we need profiles on the jurors. I'll tell you right now, we need profiles on the jurors. How is it that the judge said that the jury resolved this case? Unless the jurors were like Dominion jurors, hired or, or paid for or paid off to already have a predetermined verdict. Maybe Fox knew it was, the verdict was already predetermined, and they'd rather pay $787 million rather than $1.6 Dennis says Tuesday settlement avoids what was expected to be a six-week trial. Ah, oh, too bad. Which means Fox News executives and hosts like Rupert Murdoch, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, and other potential witnesses will not have to testify before a jury about the network's coverage of the 2020 election. <laughs> more is the pity. I would love to see Tucker on the stand. He'd probably say, yeah, the election was stolen. What are you going to do about it? Dennis <laughs> says the trial would have featured more than 12,000 exhibits. Uh, as Dominion's and Fox's attorneys reportedly indicated, there'd be more than 7,000 and over 5,000 exhibits, respectively. Last week, David S- Davis sanctioned Fox News, that's the judge, sanctioned Fox News, said the outlet had a credibility problem and criticized its attorneys for not being, quote, straightforward with the court. Uh, after it was revealed that Fox News withheld evidence from Dominion and may have made misrepresentations to the court about Murdoch's role at Fox News. I'm going to open up the lines again here. This is too good to miss. And talk about this as we go. So the judge. The I, hear the judge? Juror
3: was probably, I, I think nine out of the 12 jurors was black.
0: <laughs> well, that's interesting. In Delaware? Is Delaware a predominantly black state? Like South Carolina?
3: I I heard something like that. that. I'm not sure, but uh, it would require uh, further investigation.
0: Can we assume these are black Democrats? Was that investigated?
3: If it comes out of Delaware, I would, in that area, yes, I would say they are Democrats, and they hate Trump.
0: So we've got a jury of nine of 12 black jurors, Democrats, who hate Trump. So much for a fair trial.
3: Here's Again, the I, too, maybe the evidence they had was too sophisticated for the jurors. So.
0: Why would you assume that the jurors couldn't understand it? You, you, you teach the jurors the evidence. We, we deal with really complex subjects here all the time. I break it down and explain it. Nothing's that hard to explain, really. It
3: would be, like be like trying to teach the jurors evidence in the George Floyd trial.
0: Oh, then so, he died of a heart attack because he was that on fentanyl?
3: What's the problem?
0: He died of a heart attack because he was on fentanyl. That's don't, easy to yeah, right? do. ingest. Yeah, don't mean.
1: ingest large amounts of drugs. That's a bad idea.
3: Yeah, but yeah. What they, that ain't the visualization they see. They see a white police officer kneeling on a black man's neck who was mm-hmm. already dead. So that's the way it is.
0: Yeah. Well, perception versus reality. So, let's, so if, the, if the jury was so – now, they both had six challenges. You got six challenges to the jurors. You can strike six jurors. So my question is, were there so many jurors who hated Trump in the jury pool that Fox News was never going to get a fair trial? In which case, they should have declared, we're never going to get a fair trial. They should have moved for a mistrial or, a, or, or something, um, you know, some relief from this. Or what they should have done is done the trial and immediately appealed it because obviously there's some corruption going on here.
1: Yeah, no, Any that's judge?
0: reasonable. So let me so so why would the judge sanction Fox News said the outlet had a credibility problem. So there's a, that judge should be thrown off the case right there saying that one of the one of the parties to the case has a credibility problem. Let's well, the me. way
3: the story went out is that the Dominion won. They didn't. The story's not going out. <clears throat> People would think of it as being a uh, agreed upon settlement.
0: Well, Dominion did win. I mean, they shouldn't have gotten any money. They should be paying. <laughs> you know, uh, they should lose. They're they wanted one point six
3: billion. They they uh, settled for less than half.
0: Oh, isn't that big of them? They only settled for if that million? If the case was that $1?
3: strong, why come they settled? <laughs>
0: That's a good point. That's a really good point. Why, why would go you for the one, Why
1: would you do that if you had an actual case?
0: Well, they wouldn't. Well, if they had an actual case, though, they should have gone for the one point six billion, if that's what they believed.
1: Yeah, Can no, I, I say, no. If I if I knew that I was correct, I would go for the whole the whole case. caboodle.
0: Sure. I've watched all those TV law shows over the years. So us only get to this article. Judge sanctions Fox News for withholding evidence in Dominion $1.6 billion defamation case. Well, the, the, the news that they withheld is the fact that the election was stolen. So whatever they know on that, that's what they're withholding. But that's not a crime. That's just stupid. Then it says Delaware Superior Ju- Court Judge Eric Davis sanctioned Fox News on Wednesday for withholding evidence in Dominion's $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against the news outlet. This is dated the 13th of April. So this was, today's the 19th, so this was six days ago. This is Judge Davis, try to keep the background noise to a minimum, guys, if you can. I don't want to try I don't have to mute you every time. Right, who's making the noise? All right. Let me just. All right. We're good now. Uh, it says, Judge Davis' sanction came after lawyers for Dominion highlighted numerous instances of Fox News attorneys' failure to turn over evidence promptly, according to a person present in the courtroom. What evidence? The, they're the journalists. They can actually withhold sources legally under the First Amendment. You know, Judge says, you have to tell us your sources. We're like, no, it's a secret source. We're not going to tell you. That's their right. Then it says some of the early, some of the newly turned over evidence includes recordings made by former Fox employee, Abby Grossberg, that feature former President Donald Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, (coughs) claiming he did not have evidence to back up his claims that Dominion rigged the 2020 presidential election in Joe Biden's favor. Well, that's kind of stupid of Trump. These recordings were done before pre type Fox uh, appearances and were circulated and discussed within Fox, according to Grossberg. We don't have to do that. Dominion's defamation lawsuit accuses Fox News of harming its reputation by airing Trump and his attorneys claims that the Denver-based company's voting machines were used to rig the election. (coughs) Well, obviously they were used to rig the election. That was demonstrated. This is Fox denied that it withheld these recordings from Dominion. Well, I don't even know if Dominion has a right to them. If that's proprietary news stuff, it's another damn business. Then it says, as counsel explained to the court, Fox produced the supplemental information from Ms. Grossberg when we first learned it. That's a Fox News spokesperson said in a statement Wednesday. Grossberg has filed a separate lawsuit against Fox News, claiming her deposition was coerced. Well, that's interesting. Grossberg's Tuesday court filings brought the recordings to light, which also include conversations with former Trump lawyer Sidney Powell. Ooh, now it's getting more interesting. Huh. This is, we are pleased that the court recognized the very serious apparent discovery related another gross misconduct perpetrated by Fox News and its team of high-powered attorneys in relation to Dominion v. Fox. See, how come nobody's going after Dominion? Well, it's a long article. I'll get to this one later. Let me get back to my other one. I don't know, wherever that is. Where's my other article? Let's take this one out. Get back to the other one. Ah, here we go. We got about uh, 17 minutes left. I'm going to investigate that other one. But this, it seems like, like, like Fox News is the one that has to turn over everything. I haven't seen Dominion to, turn over anything. Where, how come Dominion doesn't have to turn over their, uh, their schematics for their voting machines? How come they don't have to turn over their Internet modems? How come they don't have to uh, explain you know, all the voting changes um, after Trump won at 10 o'clock at night? And then uh, all the Democrats covered up the the, the boards, the buildings, uh, kicked out all the Republican counters, and by the next morning, surprise, surprise, Biden had won by a slight amount in all these different areas. How come they don't have to account for that? See, Dominion is being protected; they don't have to account for anything. Fox News is being gone after by a judge. That's I, think, the,
1: I think. I think no. What I said before, what uh-huh. I said before was actually uh, pretty. Pretty relative here uh, i think that this was a negotiated thing before it ever went to court i think that both of these guys are worth billions of dollars and i think that uh one of them was hanging off a tiny portion in comparison and i see but I think
0: I, I think there's more to this though because if fox u- news used the proper defense which is in fact the election was stolen or just presented whatever they had to say about it, uh, or, or use the things they actually broadcast. They, don't have to, they shouldn't have to disclose things they haven't broadcast. <clears throat> That's internal. Dominion has no right to that. Neither does anybody else. But what they broadcast counts. So it says that Fox News has admitted to telling lies about Dominion that caused enormous damage to their company. See, what the real thing is, they can't get it out there. No one can question the 2020 election. What this really is about, I think, also, is suppressing any dissent from the party propaganda that the election of 2020 was the safest and best in election in history, which is a bunch of nonsense. B.S. You're, that's the worst You're election.
1: telling me that, that Biden not getting 86 million votes, you're telling me that that's not legitimate?
0: Um. Yes, <laughs> I think so. But uh, let's,
3: let's <laughs> no, it. that's right. fair. Yeah, I go to
0: Pianki and then come back. They to you, Josh. say
3: Trump got okay. over a hundred million. Greg got seen no more.
0: Oh, you got to go. Okay. Too bad. This is this is getting interesting. We're going to talk more about this. Um. Right, so Pianki to leave. So I got you, Josh. But let's talk about this for a minute because I really believe that what's really going on here is they can't let anybody think for a second. That the election was stolen. This is the the extension of the January 6th committee. This is the extension of the propaganda. This is the extension of the illegal coup accusing everybody else of saying that there was an illegal coup when in fact there was an illegal coup, which I just said. But they can't get that out there. So Fox can't be allowed to state the obvious that the election was stolen. That's what this is about. Dominion is being used.
1: No, no, that. That that's a fair take on it, and I, yeah, if that's if that's actually what's going on, then um, man, I feel really bad for the people that go against that.
0: Oh, so listen, because
1: they're they're why asking they for sensitive. something. <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah, well here's I the thing know. too. Be what so, you ask for.
0: so why would Fox be has it, since Fox has admitted to telling lies about Dominion? Well, I mean, news media lies all the time. CNN, MSNBC have lied about Trump since Trump declared he was running for president. Why aren't they being sued for defamation? Because they represent the government, that's why. <laughs> you know. Um, but think about it. If it's, if it's a lie to report that the election might have been stolen, you're, in other words, you're saying that media has to go through a government censor to prove what they're saying is true before they report it, otherwise they might be sued, media's not going to report anything. This is as anti-First Amendment as it gets. You can't say that Fox News is lying. Of course, the defense will be to prove that they're lying. How do you prove they're lying? Well, you'd have to prove that the election wasn't stolen. Well, how do you do that? Well, let's take a look at the voting machines. We'll find that the election was stolen. So again, they can't, have, they can't risk that either. I this see is, that the uh,
1: consequences of I think the consequences are going to far outweigh the nonsensical payout. Like, this is not going to be – there's nothing sweet about what Dominion just did.
2: Can Here's I say that?
0: Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Here's another thing, too. What happens to Dominion's contracts if Fox wins the lawsuit? Do you think they're ever going to be able to sell or repair or maintain uh, or keep in, in anywhere a uh, Dominion voting machine? If they lose his lawsuit, they're out of business. Because no one's going to buy the machines. I think
1: that's why they did it.
0: But they didn't have to do it. The po- nobody, the po- nobody was dumping. The po- but nobody was dumping their machines. No government agents. Well, some were, but not enough. Most most of the election county, city, state election folks were keeping Dominion machines. Do you see a mass dumping of Dominion machines? I don't.
1: I think the point of the suit was make people uncomfortable, doing what Fox did, and either way, it's it's all gonna go to hell. You know, you already know where we're already going down, but where Chicago is gonna go the way of Detroit, LA is gonna go the way of New York. You know, this this is uh yeah, we're we're watching a we're watching a slow roll, a slow burn,
0: uh-huh.
1: and man.
0: Why do you think I created action radio? Listen, let me, let me let you go for the day. I got about 10 minutes left. I want to finish the article. Thank you for participating today. Uh, let me just get uh, through this last little bit. I'll, I'll, I want to comment on some of these things myself here and then we'll be done for the day. So another (laughs) three hours by myself. Oh boy. Well, not by myself. I had my, uh, my friends, uh, Pianchi and Josh on the line, but, uh, where are my reporters? got <laughs> to get you folks back on. All right. So then it says, the last minute settlement, I've read this before, uh, includes a 787.5 million. How to arrived at that figure? Million payment from Fox, Dominion attorney Justin Nelson announced. They says, Fox has admitted to telling lies about Dominion that caused enormous damage to my company, our employees, and the customers that we serve. Well, who are the customers? Well, people that, that uh, need vote boat count Votes counted. So that would be cities, counties, uh, and, and states where, or in incorporated areas wherever they have voting machines. So those are, that's who they serve. So the customer should be us because ultimately we're the taxpayers. We're the ones who should be, uh, you know, paying for an honest election, but I don't think we're getting one. Don't forget, no, we're not. Then it says Dominion CEO, John Polis, P-O-U-L-O-U-S, L-O-S, excuse me, P-O-U-L-O-S, said at a press conference Tuesday afternoon, nothing can ever make up for that. Well, they're so worried about their reputation. Well, why are they worried about their reputation? Because they want to sell voting machines. Why do they want to sell voting machines? So the elections can be stolen. It's a vicious cycle that just keeps continuing. Well, who wants elections stolen? Well, the coup. The coup that stole the election that's in power now. So the coup has to protect Dominion. I don't know how they do it. Probably they picked the right judge and the right jury. Uh, And the FCC goes after Fox. Now the FCC hasn't charged Fox with anything. They can't charge Fox with lying because that's not what you do to journalists. Yeah, you can force them to make a correction. But who's to say it was a lie? They could have just got the story wrong. That's usually what's said about these kind of things, unless you knew they were lying. But even if you do, lying is not a crime. In that case, you sue them for defamation. (laughs) But the thing is, I would sue – in that way, why can't we sue Dominion for defamation? You know, They've done irreparable harm to our elections by saying that they're uh, safe and effective. I'm sorry, that's COVID. Dominion saying that the elections are, are fair and, and, and safe and honest, that's done, dam- that's done irreparable harm to our elections because we know they're not. I've got infinite uh, experts I could bring forward to prove that these elections are not. So, so Dominion is actually defaming our whole election process. Then it says, however, Dominion attorney Stephen Shackelford warned that the settlement with Fox is not the end of the company's legal efforts to save its reputation. Well, Why would they have a bad reputation if they were an honorable company? They wouldn't. They would have a good reputation. So why do they need legal efforts to save their reputation? Well, because they're scum. That's why. Then it says we're not done yet. We have some other people who have some accountability coming toward them. Well, are you going to come after me? Oh, please come after me. Please, please, please. I love a fight. Come on. Let's go. Uh, FBI KGB, too. If you, want to, uh, you know, if you want to talk to me, call the show like everybody else does. 215-383-3832. love to talk to you. I'd even come down and chat maybe. Maybe not. We'll see maybe not voluntarily. Then it says a Fox spokesperson, I was waiting to hear from them, said the company is pleased to settle the case, because they're a bunch of weenie cowards, <clears throat> and acknowledge the court's findings that certain claims about Dominion were false. Yeah, they're way too compliant. There's something really wrong here. So this is what Fox has said. We are pleased to have reached a settlement of our dispute with Dominion voting systems. Well, they didn't have a dispute with voting systems. Dominion had a dispute with them, so they've already reversed themselves. Then it says, we acknowledge the court's huge rulings, finding certain claims about dominion to be false. Oh, really? Why would they admit that? Why, why, why not just make a correction? See, so that was the correct answer. If, if Fox knew that they reported something wrong, they do what every other journalist operation does. They make a correction. But you don't sue them over it. Then it says, this settlement reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards. No, it doesn't. They've completely abandoned journalistic standards, which are upholding the First Amendment and the freedom of information. So they've lost that battle right there. Then it says, we are hopeful that our decision to resolve this dispute with Dominican amicably, what, they're trying to sue your ass, Why, there's nothing amicable about this. Then it says, instead of acrimony of a divisive trial, allows the country to move forward from these issues. Well, actually, it stops us from moving forward, because the trial would have allowed us to actually you know, discuss these issues. So what they've actually done is remove the possibility of moving forward, because they didn't go forward with the trial. This is terrible. Then it says Fox Corporation had roughly $4.1 billion of cash and cash equivalents on hand at the end of 2022. So they had the money to pay for this. Last little bit. First Amendment attorney Mark Garber told The Times that everybody wins with Tuesday Settlement. Well, you can't be a First Amendment attorney if you think that everybody wins. You're an idiot. Then it says with the settlement, everybody wins. Fox goes its way. Dominion gets cash. Well, Dominion is a fraudulent voting company. Why would you want them to have cash? So much of this Martin Garbus. Then it says Fox is facing a similar defamation lawsuit against electronic voting firm firm Smartmatic. Well, I guess they're going to pay out another $787 million to Smartmatic, which sued the cable news company in February 2021 over fraud claims. Yeah, (laughs) I've had enough. (laughs) I'm so disgusted. We've covered a lot of stuff today. uh, Done a lot, taken breaks, done done all the things. Oh, I I, I, I got to... uh, I'm sorry, I erased my whole window. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, anyway, so we're going to close a couple of minutes early, um, and I'll get to – we've got a bunch of stuff here I'll sort through for news for other days. But this, this, these are long days when I have to chat like this. I'm going to play something else. I'll play one of my – one of my. Um, let me get one of my anti-federalist papers just to you an idea what uh to... see, I'm an anti-federalist. I mean, in other words, federal when the Constitution was being uh, – uh, ratified there were two groups so the Federalists who supported it and the anti-federalists who wanted it uh, opposed uh, and so I'm going to play one of my uh, earlier pieces from the anti-federalists uh, I'll let you know what uh, let me see if I can find one here so scroll 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 <makes noise> the Sedition Act I played that one church of state uh, did I get rid of them all oh, man, I think I took them off my site well that's no fun what can I play you? I don't want to play the Sedition Act again. Huh. I have to go find more of these. Yeah, I've taken out the ones that were good. <laughs> I'll have to put them back. That's good. Okay. In that case, I will... Uh, uh, oh, that's too long. That's, oh, i got all these different things here. Nothing's really... I don't really have a five-minute thing I can play you. Now, let's do the Sedition Act. So uh, this, is, this is kind of interesting. You'll find uh, um, this is... Nah, uh, five minutes, four minutes. Uh, I'll play this one real quick. This is Greg Penglis with Founding Moments, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers. For our first founding lesson, I want to start with the Declaration of Independence. Basic to any understanding of freedom and liberty are these words written by Thomas Jefferson. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You will notice there is no reference to race, color, age, nationality, ethnic group, religion, or any of the common leftist categories they use to divide us. David Azarad, in his article for the Heritage Foundation, titled, What the Constitution Really Says About Race and Slavery, December 28, 2015, says that no such concepts as race exist in the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, or any founding document. Therefore, since our founding documents have no such concept as race, it's kind of stupid of the left to say that we are founded on racism. The truth, folks, is that they simply made it up to suit their agenda of national sabotage and destruction so that you would learn to hate your country. We hold these truths to be self-evident. No case need be made, it's plainly obvious. All men, meaning all people, are created equal. Granted, your status once you've come into the world is different from everyone else's because we all have different backgrounds, families, cultures, wealth, education, etc. We have differences, vast differences, but we are created equal. The whole concept of liberty, freedom and rights are all dependent on keeping God above government. When governments believe they are gods, they will dispense rights as they see fit. When people believe they are gods, they will feel entitled to everything you have. True freedom comes only from the understanding and maintenance in government through control by the people that our rights are unalienable, that they cannot be separated from us, ever. Because they came from a power higher than government. That we the people, also being a higher power, realize and maintain control over government because all just powers of government come from the consent of the governed. How we give our consent is why I created Action Radio. I'll be back next week with another edition of Founding Moments, sponsored by the Santa Rosa Volunteers. Yeah, actually, they're not sponsoring us anymore. But uh, since I made these things, I want to keep uh, uh, keeping them around because some of them have some really good information. So I'm going to upload all the anti-federalist ones that I made, and probably continue on make more anti-federalist ones because I find oh, there's my 90 second warning. I find them far more interesting than the federalist papers, quite honestly. Federalist papers are like a propaganda piece that could have come out of any uh, you know government that wants control over everything. All right, so so this is where we're standing. This so is April 19th. This is our Patriot State. A lot of things happen on this day, very controversial day, Um, and so take a look at it in history. But the the most important thing to notice is what's not being covered today. All the things we cover on the show are not being covered today. Uh, In fact, there's not a single story we did, including Fox News, that is being covered the way we're doing it. And so that's the whole point of Action Radio. Uh, As for legislation, uh, the the big ones, of course, are are the usual ones, vaccine product viability, uh, ending big tech censorship. Uh, we have a new uh, bill that uh, would prohibit drug advertising and prescription drugs. We have a constitutional amendment that would take away the power of Congress to borrow money. We have a, an amend, we have a, a bill that would disarm all the illegally armed federal agencies, which is all of them. <laughs> you know, The only thing that can be armed in the federal government is the military. Uh, and we have various other bills at com. So go to writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Go click on, there we go, Marcos forgot to leave. So you take care too. Uh, oh, there we go. Um, anyway, so take a look. So so go to writeyourlaws.com, click on legislation, and then click all proposed laws. And once you click all proposed laws, you get the ones that we are doing, uh, the ones that we're sending out. But the rest of the time, just start at the homepage and work your way through. It'll make infinite sense to you. Show site, blogtalkradio.com slash Uh My Substack stack, gregpenglis.substack.com. And our contributions, give, send, slash action radio. And I'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, with a whole other show. And we'll talk to you then.